2: Hello and welcome to Cinematic Universe, the podcast that this week, if you check your phone, you'll notice we actually curved the file around a corner to get it there. I'm your host, Joe Cunningham, and joining me are... James sense
3: And I'm Reese Williamson.
2: Today we will be discussing uh, 2008's Wanted, but also um, all of the film adaptations of Mark Miller Comics. Uh, we'll get into uh, why we're doing that and how that's going to work soon. But before any of that... I'd like to ask James to explain a comic book concept that I just don't understand. Um, Now, James, I want to take you to DC Comics. Uh, Great.
1: Love to go there.
2: (laughs) And um, Reese has written this for me. So when I'm saying that I need you to explain this because I don't understand it, I barely know (laughs) what I'm reading out here. So with the news that DC are cancelling the main Superman comic and replacing it with something called Superman, Son of Kal-El... Who is Jonathan Kent and what the hell is Future State? <laughs> and I hope, I really hope you could you could hear how genuine those questions were. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: um, so Future State was an event that DC Comics did a couple of months back um, that showcased, like, the quote-unquote future of the DC universe. And there was sort of a plan initially that then got scotched um, that all of the books would sort of jump into this distant future um because of some editorial stuff that didn't happen but now you know a few things have have gone back and are incorporating these new concepts into the current line so what they're doing is they're cancelling the current superman book and replacing it with a book starring uh jonathan kent who is superman's son um and yeah, he's he's going to take over as Superman in that title. I'm not sure if he's coming to the present or if it's going to be set in the future.
2: Um, I is imagine a, it is a is temporary a deal. Oh, well, that's what I was going to ask. Is it, is it a big deal for Superman? Is for it a main, big deal? The main Superman title not to exist for not a bit? Not
1: really, because Action Comics is the main Superman title, right? Action Comics is the one where Superman right, first appeared. Okay. And the one that has like over a thousand issues under its belt.
2: So actually, it may, it makes sense that just a, it's essentially a supporting title has been taken over. Yeah, by... the, the
1: Superman B title has been replaced with a different Superman.
2: Yeah. Okay. Um. The Lois and Clark TV show that's going on at the moment—that's got Superman's kids in it, right? Is that uh, is? I feel like I've seen Superman <laughs> having kids or having a son pop up on. If, you know, it happened in Superman Returns, right? I mean, uh, I, I don't keep up with
1: Superman mm. a lot, but I, I think I'm right in saying that Superman and Lois have a child and that's who Jonathan Kent is, like, in the current books. Like, he's a baby, obviously, not a teenager or whatever he's going to be in this new comic. But, um, yeah, I think this is, this is spinning out of an existing storyline. It's not just uh, slapping a new character on the table.
2: Where do you stand normally with kids of superheroes? Like, is it uh,
1: it's hard. It's a how many? How many good examples are there? How many good examples are there? I think Fantastic Four sort of works, although mm. like the central concept of the Fantastic Four is that they are a superhero family, and like Johnny and Ben are the sort of surrogate kids. So adding actual kids mm. into it, I feel weakens the concept slightly. Mm. Um, but also Franklin and Valeria in those comics are really good. So that's one example I can't think of a huge number of others Damien um, Wayne Damien wayne yeah he he really stuck a lot longer than I was expecting him to
2: um, well but what about you Reese do any do any stand out for you that is is it a concept that's ever of interest to you? It seems like it's normally the fodder of like future stories right
3: yeah the pro- the thing with comics is you know the characters just you know the characters are. You know, pretty much early 30s, and then they have been for you know 80 years, yes. <laughs> and so that's the issue with, you know, comic. The issue with like having kids that then you know, what they're they're a baby, then they grow up a bit, and is that is the type sort of the superhero character timelines can't ever move, so so you can't then introduce a child character. Grows at the same pace as your, you know, your main lead because the the lead has to be about thirty five <laughs> today and fifty years ago and in fifty and we, years' time they can um, they can do what they did with Cyclops,
1: which is send his baby into the future <laughs> and have him come back as a sort of Terminator
3: guy who's older than he is. And like, yeah, because actually that's that's probably that's that's probably the best known son a direct, yeah, yeah. direct child of a superhero character,
1: yeah. right? Cable. Yeah, Christopher Summers got sent to the future and came back as as uh,
3: <laughs> Cable. But that's Joe, Joe. Joe. That's to your point. Yeah, whenever it, whenever it has worked, it's always like, oh, yeah, they're from the future. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they've come to the past, and now they're a, but now they're a grown up character, and Cable will be thirty five or so forever. <laughs> I've
2: got I've got an idea of how it could work. What if? Um... The kid or kids maybe were born into like a sitcom world, and they aged up really fast, mm. and then they got like, like dusted off into the multiverse or whatever, and then you heard them shouting out, and that's how that's how you brought them back. What do you think? No, it'll never work. That no, wouldn't no. work with it. No, <laughs> now, if
1: they were like puppets who got animated by Mephisto, then that might work. <laughs>
2: Um, okay, great. So we'll we'll move on to this week's comic book, movie, and TV news. Um, we'll stick with the MCU because we got a trailer for a for a new MCU movie. Now, guys, mm. I, I don't know if you know this. We like they haven't released a Marvel movie for it's
1: been over uh, a year.
2: <laughs> it's, it's well, it's going like, to be like two years. It's going to be like two years by the time yeah, Black Widow yeah. turns up. Crazy. So Black Widow's turning up in July. And then Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings is yes. showing up yes. in September. Um, directed by Destin Daniel Cretton, uh, starring Simu Lu And um, and I think the one of the big revelations for me from this trailer is, and very notably also starring Aquafina, who is, uh, <laughs> you know, like, has most of the dialogue in the trailer. Not that there's a huge... <laughs> I think that that like the dialogue is is voiceover and then from characters that we actually see in the present day. It's awkward when he gets a couple of lines at the end. Um, what did you think?
3: Yeah, it I loved. Yeah, change, change again, start again.
1: <clears throat> yeah, I thought it was good. Um, it was immediately a, a better advert for Shang Chi than any Shang Chi comic I've ever read.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: that was my take on it. I was like, oh, I actually care about this one.
3: Like watching the, Guardian,
1: the
2: first Guardians trailer for the first time, you
3: go, "Oh, this is a cool idea that I've never seen cool in comics." Yeah. <laughs> I can't.
2: I can't wait until James reacts like this to the Eternal trailer. <laughs> mm. <laughs> which I love this trailer, guys. I
3: love this trailer so much that I thought it was. I thought it was. I thought it was. I think I thought it sold me on what this is going to be, which is, you know still MCU, obviously it's still MCU, um, but this little, co- you know, in a kind of Doctor Strange way, this is a little corner that we, <laughs> we haven't done before, um, with that connection to the mand- Mandarin, that sort of, that little tether. Also, here's a brand new hero. Here's his, you know, here's, here's how, what makes him different, maybe, to the other heroes we've seen. He looks charismatic, he's, you know, I th- I kind of think Aquafina's got the funny lines, but I think I'd miss that, that the actor is, he's basically, he's another kind of sitcom guy. Like, this is going to be... You you can already, I can just imagine the fun kind of MCU banter between those two and that being, yeah, being fun, looking great, looking different enough. I'm digging, I'm digging. The thing
1: about this trailer is that it looked like a fairly straightforward sort of kung fu movie. And I kind of think they're going to come out with a second trailer further down the line that's a bit more Marvel.
2: Well, it's funny. Like, I, I felt like I was getting different vibes from it. you know every every five or ten seconds because (laughs) yeah there there was that there was that Doctor Strangey kind of stuff to it I thought the the stuff with the bus at the end um reminded me a little bit of Ant-Man um that that kind of that kind of level of action um Mm -hmm. and you're right you know with a with with a you know funny people up front um uh, in, it, you know there's the, there's the kind of there's a shot of the like wuxia style martial arts is it is it wuxia or wuxia i'm never i'm never sure how you pronounce it but the the the, the crouching tiger hidden dragon style yeah. uh martial arts um and then like from a from a marvel point of view i was actually like the sins of the father stuff i was getting like I, I was actually getting netflix marvel vibes but more of the like <laughs> the the, the like the better early, like the better moments of Daredevil, and and obviously I think it's impossible to watch this trailer and not think of Iron Fist a little bit. Um, <laughs> but James, is it, is it fair to say that we we shouldn't we shouldn't project any Iron Fist onto this?
1: Uh, I mean, they're very different stories. Um, in fairness, they are the kind of characters who fit in the same world. Um, hmm. You would expect to. You would expect to see those characters cross paths occasionally, but um, I think it, this just looks like a different scale than the Iron Fist TV series.
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. And so, it, could you, it, from a from a comics reader's perspective, could you give us kind of like a just a a real quick, like what? <laughs> Why? Why is Shang Chi different to Iron Fist? What's what? Uh, what's the what's the pitch on Shang Chi beyond what uh, we see in so this? So
1: I guess the the pitch of Shang Chi was originally that he was the son of Fu Manchu, um, and it was a kind of seventies kung fu exploitation thing. Um, they've had to change his origin because uh, Marvel doesn't own Fu Manchu, mm-hmm. um, and we're only licensing the character. So that was arguably a poor decision at the time
2: um but also i'm not you know whether doing fu manchu in a marvel movie now would be a good idea anyways yeah
1: quite um for example it does seem like their version of the mandarin is going to skew hard away from the problematic elements of the mandarin put it that way
2: i wanted to talk about this so (laughs) nearly a decade ago marvel to the chagrin of some fans, but I think, you know, I, th- I think everyone here is a, a fan of Iron Man Three. Um, and we we love what they did with Ben Kingsley as the Mandarin and specifically thought that they did a real good job of um of, of sidestepping all of the you know, for want of a better phrase, the the yellow peril stuff with mm-hmm. the Mandarin. And and basically going like yeah he doesn't he doesn't exist it's it, he's a myth and the fans reacted badly and they kind of did that that weird one shot all hail the king and, <laughs> and and backtracked on it slightly and now here we are as I say nearly a decade later actually doing the Mandarin I think there I think there is a danger here that if that like that they that they muddy things that they get that that they do. Tread towards that slightly. Would you agree? Do you? Do, I mean,
1: do, I I don't think they're going to call him the
2: Mandarin for a start.
0: Be I think very surprised. I think I think the yeah, I I, agree, I, agree with that.
2: I I was I think it was the uh, it was one of the trades. Was it the Hollywood Reporter maybe that had the original piece with the stills that was dropped just before the trailer? And in that, it I think it says that like. The Mandarin is one of the names that he's gone by over his uh, yeah. over his many years. Yeah, that sounds but, like it. <laughs> yeah, and and that he is the head of an organization called the Ten Rings, right? Mm-hmm. But the Ten Rings is something that the first two Iron Man movies were teasing. Yeah, it's
1: been seeded all over the place. Yeah, and yeah, and, and films.
2: And, and and so even if they don't call him the Mandarin, still having an Asian villain. Who is you know essentially filling that role in their universe, even if they don't refer to him directly? I still think you know it's it's just one that you know that they don't. It, it, this isn't just Marvel; this is Disney. Don't always get it completely right when they I when think- they try and do this kind of thing. But I think, it's an Asian hero, right?
3: That's yeah, the key. That's, 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 that's,
1: that's the well, yes, difference, right? Yeah. Is that he's not fighting Tony Stark, the sort of American weapons dealer. <laughs> you know, he's fighting an, an Asian superhero in that context, I think. He's, fight, he's fighting his son. Yeah, yeah.
2: There was also quotes in that piece of um, Destin Daniel Cretin, the, the director, was talking about how, like, he never thought he would be one of the guys that would be tempted to go in and work on a superhero movie. Then hmm. yeah, I I, I mean and Then they just wrote a check. <laughs> oh, yeah, sure.
3: hundred <laughs> percent.
2: I'm I'm sure that had um something to do with it. But he was saying basically and so if anyone doesn't know, he directed Short Ten Twelve was his big big breakthrough, which um if anyone hasn't seen that, I mean it's um it's Brie Larson, uh, John Gallagher Jr., Caitlin diva Rami Malek, um, and Lakeith Stanfield as the and, and Stephanie Beatrice is in there as well. It's like it, it really is like a this cast are all going to break big within the next two or three years kind of <laughs> movie, and and it, and it's really good. I haven't seen his other two movies, The Glass Castle and Just Mercy, um, but I really like Short Term Twelve. Um, and yeah, and he was saying how yeah he wasn't he he wasn't really. Thinking that he would be the guy that would do this kind of thing, um, and then uh, and then Marvel came to him and were like, "Oh, we're making a we're making an Asian superhero." Does that interest you? And he and he, I think it was one of those like, if this is going to happen, I want to be the guy who's making it. Yeah, yeah, I'm interested by him directing one of these movies. I hope you know. I hope it is one of the occasions where you actually see his stamp on it because he's not. You know, those those previous credits are not big action things. Uh, they're not particularly even comedies. So, I, I I think this is going to be one of those Marvel movies that's got comedic elements. I think we're going to have a, a you know I think we're going to have a like I think there's going to be good banter between the two leads. But I don't think it's going to be leaning into comedy the way that Guardians or Ant Man does. And um, do you, one, th- one thought
3: I had to watch the trailer is you know I want do you think aqua do you think we're now at a point where there's going to be a, bit, be a bit more to Aquafina's character than just the kind of flirtatious <laughs> banty female lead. Do you know what I mean? Like, have they moved? Have they moved past that? I or, suspect or do you think because of the. I suspect a Marvel
1: movie is not the place to be breaking that ground with. With her, I think they have hired her because they know what she can do, and they're going to let her do it. I just I
3: wonder. I, you know, I don't. They, they They have they learned their lessons from Rachel McAdams and Doctor Strange
2: mm.
1: enough. I think um, yeah, I think she'll be more magic. present than that.
2: I also wonder, just just from just from her, you know, her role in the plot, is she just gonna be is she just gonna be the best friend who, or I don't know whether she's best friend or girlfriend, what the what the vibe is, but I think they're f fr- I think they're friends. Yeah. That's
3: the that, that's the setup they're, they're just friends. I so <laughs> I,
2: I, I just wonder whether there is a whether there's something there about her being someone who's been close to him during his ten years that he spent in America, um, mm. and whether there's a third act reveal of yeah, no, I've been sure. I've been watching you. I'm. Uh, sure, sure. I'm She's the Mandarin. Yeah, I, I'm the Mandarin. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's a Mandarin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I am. I've got to say,
1: I'm looking forward to seeing a kind of straight origin movie, and I hope they don't you know cram the Falcon in there or something.
2: It's yeah, it is. Hmm. It, it does seem fun to be getting a to be getting an origin movie, doesn't it?
1: Mm-hmm. It's been a while since we had one that was just totally complete yeah. origin.
2: Because even when you, well, even when you think about like new characters that were introduced in like Phase Three or whatever, it's it's. Um, well, I mean, Captain Marvel, kind of, but it it did everything it could to avoid being a straight origin. Yeah, and and, it had
1: Nick Fury in it, and it had yes. Captain in it, and it had and then, Ronan and then in it.
2: Black Panther that that wasn't an origin story, and also we'd already met that character. Yeah, it was I more think... like it was more like an origin story of well, it wasn't. It was just meeting that world for the first time. I yeah, guess. it was uh, Doctors, Doctor Strange is right? the last
1: straight yeah. origin we had yeah. yeah. Mm.
2: and that was like that... five years ago. But that did feel the the originy stuff of that movie was the weakest stuff, I think. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, and, Sp- and Spider Man skips straight past it as well, did not it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'd be interesting.
3: Cool. One more, one more question, Cheng Chi. Do you think they will give him some kind of a power, you know, or do you think it's just going to be no? This guy's just incredible at martial arts. I've been wondering that. It seems like having him
1: just be a very good fighter risks making him underpowered, doesn't it?
0: Hmm. Yeah.
1: But also, that's the setup of the character. Like he. Mm-hmm. You know, he's basically just the Marvel Universe Bruce Lee or whatever. Like that's the template they're going on. So,
2: I don't know. I, I kind of hope not. There is, a, there's, there's a, there's definitely a bit of mysticismy stuff in there, isn't there? There's like a someone punches and there's like blue light around at one point in the trailer. I think. Mm-hmm. So, but I kind of, I, I, I would, I would be cool with him just being. You know, like he is as good at martial arts as Doctor Strange is good at magic. You know, like that's that's fine with me.
3: Yep. I'm gonna make a I'm gonna make a mad prediction. He he has the Iron Fist power by the end
0: of
3: the movie. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Why not? You know, I mean, they burn Iron Fist for for a chunk, right? And they don't do they need an Iron Fist, but it's a cool power. It's a cool visual. So, Yeah, fine.
2: That is a question. Does the MCU need an Iron Fist, James?
1: Does it need an Iron Fist? No. Have you read the Immortal Iron Fist Omnibus you bought yet?
2: Not yet, no, I haven't. <laughs>
1: read that and then see what you think. Because, you know, the MCU could definitely use an Iron Fist.
2: I'm just wondering that if you, you know, a, again, like as Reese was saying, we're opening up a different part of the Marvel universe. Uh, you know, you would expect to meet other characters around there as we mm-hmm. as we go through. Um and and, you know, and I think actually now this is and that, that was part of the problem with Iron Fist at the time was it was like oh it's Marvel doing martial arts and here is the <laughs> whitest white guy <laughs> that yeah. we could find <laughs>
1: and some really bad fight scenes.
2: Yeah, yeah, with yeah. with bad martial arts whereas I do wonder if a better version of Iron Fist being added in, you know, after we've already met an Asian an Asian hero yeah. would work would work better. Um okay, uh we'll stick with the MCU for now but we'll go over to Disney Plus and the uh, the TV stuff um secret invasion has been announcing some casting this week um a couple of things back to back we obviously knew that samuel L. jackson was going to be in this already ben Mendelssohn is is coming back as talos uh kingsley Benedier, who i think stars in one night in miami uh one of the oscar nominees this year is um expected to be playing uh, you know a villain or the main villain um added to the cast this week have been Amelia clark uh best known obviously for um last christmas she's um she's the khaleesi she's she was game of thrones and um and then olivia coleman um who <laughs> was one of those piece of casting that re- like because Amelia clark like like yeah he's like if you re- reel off names to me i kind of go like yeah they're going to turn up in the MCU eventually. They're going to turn up in a suit. Whether it's DC or Marvel, Amelia Clarke was showing up in one of these things. Um, she just got her Star Wars out of her system first. Um, but yeah, Olivia Coleman kind of from left field, I thought. Um, and especially, like, it kind of would expect for someone like her, like, you know. Uh, she's had a not the, very- She's
1: not the sort of person who needs this for her career
2: no no and she's and she's had a unique career and she's you know incredibly well incredibly talented
1: she was the queen
2: she's (laughs) She's playing (laughs) (laughs) um and yeah to then turn up in a marvel project i kind of be expecting like them to say she is the main villain in captain marvel 2 you know or she's or she's going to be playing like an important member in a, a of a post credit scene in Eternals or something like that. Secret Invasion just feels like a weird one. Um uh, I've got my theory. Well, I oh, I I love a good theory, James, you know me.
1: <laughs> I think I think based on her history of playing the the Queen of England, the actual queen, I think she's going to be playing the sc- the scroll queen. And that would be the sort of role that could turn up in multiple places beyond a Secret Invasion TV show.
2: Is the Skrull Queen, is she a goodie? Is she a baddie? What's her vibe? She's a Skrull, Joe. Yes, but James, in the MCU, the Skrulls, (laughs) they're just misunderstood refugees.
1: Yeah, I mean, they are, until they decide they want to take over the Earth.
2: (laughs) Yeah, but who's because their planet that? got blown up,
1: then they stopped being so cuddly.
2: They've they've seemed positive in the MCU. They've though, seemed positive in them.
1: the MCU because we've only seen them from the Kree perspective of people who are fighting against the Kree, who are also bad guys. In the MCU, the Kree's and the Skrulls are both bad guys.
2: Not not yet. It's not 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 as depicted so far. Sorry,
1: what I should have said in the in the Marvel Comics universe. Yes, okay. <laughs> yeah, that's they're both yeah. bad guys because they both want Earth. Right. Okay. In like like I say, in the MCU, we've only seen them from one side of the fight. My and bet. Do you-
2: do you think that maybe we've met we've met the refugee scrolls who are hiding we've out met earth.
1: some good scrolls and what I we think... haven't
2: met is like the military leaders of the scrolls yeah.
1: we haven't met the head of the scrolls who is going to go well earth seems right for the taking let's have that since we need a planet
2: and presumably for secret Inv- invasion the vibe would be they're already here yeah exactly
3: yeah yeah, yeah. There, there. I mean, so I, I remember reading Secret Invasion; it was fine, but the, I think the kind of concept of that comic was better than what the comic turned out to be. Yeah, because it was yeah. written
1: by Brian Bendis. So,
3: yeah, there you go. <laughs> but, but I, I, it's yeah. This, I, this show is still very, I think, lots of question marks mm-hmm. based on you know, for all we know is this cast and the name, but the kind of, it doesn't seem to necessarily you know, because Secret Invasion the comics basically starred the Avengers and the X Men and all the main characters. This is going to be something different, mm-hmm. um, and also that idea of. Um I, I wonder whether there are multiple characters that we have already met in the MCU that are gonna turn out to be scrolls. And if so, who who do you think they're gonna be? Well that's <laughs> you know? that's Is Contessa a scroll? Oh uh it's possible. <laughs>
2: um That's what I'm interested in. I know I, I, th- I think I said the opposite on our last episode when we were talking about the Loki trailer and going like yeah, great. Owen Wilson, Gugu and raw new characters, not just let's take someone eighth build in a movie and make them third build in a TV <laughs> show. Like, uh, uh, give yeah, give me give me new proper characters who aren't burdened by any of that stuff before. Secret Invasion. This is great. I'm glad that I'm gonna get to watch a show that stars. I, and like, if you took this, if you took the MCUness away from this and went, there's a new miniseries. It's got Samuel L. Jackson, Ben King, uh, sorry, Ben Kingsley, um, uh, Ben Mendelsohn, Kingsley, um, uh, yeah, Benedetta, Olivia Coleman, Amelia Clarke. I'd be going, holy shit, that's a that is a hell of a cast. So that's, <laughs> I mean, that in and of itself is great. But what I really want to know is who are you who are you bringing back? Who who from the Marvel universe are you bringing back? Because who am I going to find out as a scroll?
1: So the thing I think we should be looking for, right, is which characters from the current Disney Plus shows could be scrolls.
2: Oh, okay. Because if they
1: if I was doing this show, I'd be like, every one of these shows is gonna have someone who's gonna turn out to be a scroll so that when it happens it feels like a big deal. Like Sharon Carter, for me, if they're gonna do that, is the obvious choice. Cause she's come back she was unpopular in the first place, she's come back and had a total personality overhaul. You know, we're fairly sure we know what's going to happen in episode six. If they Can said I... in Secret Invasion, actually, she was an undercover scroll and that's why she was manipulating her way into a place of power, I would be excited because I'd be like, oh, that puts a different spin on the events of Falcon and Winter Soldier.
2: So this is an important question that I need to ask then. Are the scrolls who have secretly invaded, have have they always been scrolls or are they people who have been replaced with scrolls at some point in the past
1: in the comics they've replaced people and i imagine that will be the uh the you know the mo here as well
2: and so what's happened to them have they been killed or put in a tube put in a tube so they've got so they can come back yeah i kind of i kind of think the the better way to play it here is they've always been a scroll that the scrolls came in the early nineties, and since I mean, then that, that I mean, person the scr- has been. I mean, the scrolls are
1: scroll. infiltrators, though they have their shape-shifting ability, so they're not there to set up an alternative life. They're there to to get power and control.
2: Yeah, but that so so I mean, for as long as we've known them, so yeah, the scrolls have come and taken someone's personality, but for as long as we've known them, they've been a scroll.
1: Yeah, I mean, they could equally say. I know. I sort of think maybe they'll use the blip as a as a you know yes, jumping yeah, off okay. point because they could go, well, these people didn't come back, but if we pretend they did, we've got a ready made life for them. Like you know, you know, Sharon Carter disappeared or whatever, and they pretended to be her ever since the unblip happened.
2: Um, okay, so that's that's Secret Invasion. I, I'm intrigued about Secret Invasion. I think I think to be honest like it's less the idea of that show existing and more the idea of having a Nick Fury tv show with Samuel Jackson as the star because I think he can carry it you know I know he's I know he's like he's the like quintessential supporting cameo character but also you've got him being played by one of the most charismatic actors of the last 50 years like I, I think he can do it
3: do you think this is his swan song? Do you think this is his kind of end game for Downey Junior? You know, like, hey, we're going to give you this one great project and then we'll kill
1: you finally. <laughs> I think Samuel L. Jackson will keep turning up as long as the money is there. He doesn't strike me as a guy who says no to anything. Why would? Why wouldn't he? He like he genuinely loves his job and he's not.
2: Yeah, and you know, it doesn't he's not feel gonna like check out while they want him, he's he's the level as well that he can just turn up and be like, yeah, okay, so I'll give you a. I'll give you a week on Guardians of the Galaxy six.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, that that's that's fine. I'm, it's not like it's not like he's Robert Downey Jr. being asked to be on set for you know six months and
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. great.
2: Okay, and we'll we'll wrap things up for the new segment with um, just a quick bit of uh, DCEU news. Um, the Flash movie is happening. It's uh, production has started, and Michael Keaton is confirmed to be re- to be returning as Batman. Um
0: okay. now
2: here's the question <laughs> which justice league is the flash a sequel to <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a genuine question did did Ezra Miller's flash who is going to be starring in this flash solo movie did he do the did he do the reversing time thing or not
3: uh they won't they won't they won't mention it
1: yeah. so it doesn't matter. I think it won't matter exactly
2: it's a kind of worms, though, isn't it? That, that like, I mean, I I'm, I I don't I'm still not even after enjoying the Snyder Cut more. Still not invested in that character. Kind of didn't like him in Eva Cut, and um, and yeah, it I'm really does. it I'm does feel... he's
3: still. I'm surprised he's still the Flash. I'm, I'm kind mm. of all of this, all of the, all of the changes of that project, and the and the fact is, you've just moved. You've moved. It's so the the Justice League, even with the Snyder Cut in your head, is it's such a long time ago and and then you've got some bad press about him and i don't know i just is this not a time well I, I just i was surprised he's 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 in it yeah <laughs> it guy of a thing,
2: right? yeah i guess that's true, well they weren't right? mm. weren't for ray fisher were they
1: i mean <laughs> who knows what ray fisher was <laughs> no,
3: guarantees but also you know maybe, maybe if they made a cyborg movie now they'd they maybe they maybe they wouldn't have to pay Ray Fisher out, but they, but it's where they are is we we actually we're gonna make a flash movie. Mm. Shit, we've gotta pay Ezra. We're gonna pay him too much if we don't interview
2: it. It's gonna be interesting because obviously this this film kind of and I, you know and I think it was intentional the way that it announced the way that casting broke, it was we're gonna have Keaton, we're gonna have um we're gonna have Affleck? we're gonna have Affleck, yeah. yeah. And yeah. um I I think the expectation is that um what's his face jeffrey dean morgan is going to be in there as well um as in thomas wayne in the snyder verse um it, it when they announced it it was like oh shit dc are doing that and then and then now you know with we've, we've got this spider-man movie coming out later this year that you know alfred <laughs> molina this week has gone <laughs> Yeah, I'm in it. It's great. Blowing, I'm playing absolutely
1: the absolutely blown the plot points there.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I'm playing my Raimi character. It's great fun. Can't
1: wait. <laughs> um gonna be getting a just... call from Kevin Feige in a minute.
2: <laughs> you wonder how much this Flash movie is has had its thunder stolen by that.
1: Yeah, um... I would say a lot.
2: And, and and I wonder if Keaton's in both. I Which mean, will be fun.
1: The the Flowerverse... Um, version of Crisis already stole Flashpoint's thunder, didn't it?
2: Uh yeah, but you—not for most audience members. But you know, there aren't there aren't going to be many members of the Flash audience walking in who haven't seen Spider Man. I would imagine. Yeah, yeah.
3: James, this this reminds me of that comics thing that that seems like it happens like every two years, where the big event of the year. From one company that it's sort of like the the big event of the of the year of the other company enough yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and we haven't seen we haven't seen that as much in oh i guess we, we kind of did with batman versus superman and civil war happening around the same time yeah. this is again uh, you know it's it's and when it's there's, when there's, there's a bit of blood in the water or there's something a, in the air and it's, it's a classic it's hollywood
2: same. thing as well right it's you know it happens in hollywood all the time with like you know two studios. On um, again with, and deep impact, yeah, or and Bugs Life. Mirror Mirror and Snow White and the Huntsman. Or like it sure. happens it happens pretty regularly. And and you know, sometimes what happens is that the project that's second actually goes, Ah, do you know what? It's not worth it. Um and and, and bails. Whereas obviously this time they're both happening. But because <laughs> you know, even though DC kind of felt like they were first to the punch in announcing it. And I'm sure, I'm sure all of this comes from right that Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse was, was, about such, to say, yeah. was such a big hit, and then and 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 actually managed to make it work. And you know, <laughs> so sure...
1: everyone's gone. Oh, we need to do our multiverse version of the characters, and obviously Marvel has the chance to do it with Spider-Man. <laughs>
2: hmm. but, I think um... the thing that I'm I'm most intrigued about for Marvel with Spider-Man is that. It's not just Marvel and Spider Man, is it? It's Marvel and Sony and Spider Man, yeah. And and how much of that multiverse is a big deal for Sony, and how much (laughs) for the for the MCU? Yeah.
3: Whereas whereas on the on the DC side, this to me feels like a way that they could really they could sort of jumpstart a shared the shared universe that they've been trying to do for the last ten years in a in a way that where the bench is actually deeper than Marvel's because they can go back and they can say, oh the you know the Christopher Reeves Superman movies happened in this mm-hmm. multiverse, and the, and all the Batman, all the versions of Batman, mm-hmm. and and I mean there's you know there's quite a lot of stuff there that they could draw on if 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 this is successful. But and
2: that and that is what Crisis did, isn't it? Crisis, the flowerverse went, yeah, literally everything from mm-hmm. uh, from Adam West to uh, to yeah, the Brandon Routh Superman yeah. to Keaton, yeah, it's it's all in here. Um, and even if they couldn't get anyone to cameo, they made little references to everything, so it was all tied in. Um, I get you could even do it with the animated stuff, couldn't you? Um, okay, so that was uh, that's all of this week's comic book movie and TV news. We'll move on now to our spoiler-filled discussion of all of the adaptations of Mark Miller. So take a listen to the trailer for Wanted and um we'll explain all after the break next how you
0: doing i knew your father my father died the week i was born your father died yesterday on the rooftop of the metropolitan building he was one of the greatest assassins who ever lived then the other one is behind you welcome to the fraternity this gun you're holding belonged to your father, he could conduct a symphony orchestra with it. All right, shoot the target.
3: How am I supposed to do that? If no one ever told you that bullets fly straight, what would you do?
0: It is a choice, Wesley. That each of us must face. To remain ordinary, pathetic, beat down, coasting through a miserable existence like sheep herded by fate. Or you can take control of your own destiny and join us, releasing the caged wolf you have inside. Our purpose is to maintain stability in an unstable world.
2: Kill one, save a thousand. Within the fabric of this world, every life hangs by a thread. We are that thread. A fraternity of assassins, the weapons of fate. This is the decision that lies before
0: you now. The sheep,
3: or the wolf.
2: Choice is yours. Okay, so that was the trailer for Wanted, uh, which was the first adaptation of Mark Miller's work. Um, we haven't talked about Wanted before on the podcast, and I think it's a, a good opportunity to uh, to listeners let you know about uh, probably some broader plans for the podcast going forward. We we've obviously still got loads of big stuff to cover because. There's so much big comic book movie stuff being released new. Uh, there's still a couple of like chunky, ch- chunky titles that we haven't talked about before, um, still in our back catalogue. But there are also films like Wanted, which James and I don't necessarily want to dedicate an entire episode to talking <laughs> about Wanted. Uh, there's there's lots of random stuff in the in the histories of superhero cinema and TV that. Um, you know, is interesting to talk about, but isn't maybe interesting to talk about just on its own and, you know, go to, what, two or three hours that we sometimes <laughs> do, um, that, that we do talk about that kind of stuff. So <laughs> there's a few films in that we that we have covered from Mark Miller before. We've, um, and, well, I'll go through his filmography in a bit, but um, there's a few that we haven't as well and that we're probably never going to get their own episodes. So we thought that what would be interesting would be to group them together, kind of use Wanted as the launch off title as his first adaptation and also, you know, um, probably the biggest of his projects that we haven't covered before um, and discuss him as, um, well, I think really as, as someone who's uh, emerged as like one of the big creative forces in terms of mm-hmm. superhero movies. Um both through the work that he's done at Marvel and DC, that well, at, uh, predominantly at Marvel, I guess, that has made it to the big screen. But then also from his other titles, he's now signed up at Netflix. Netflix own, owns Miller World. He's not going away anytime soon. And I think it's going to be really interesting to to have a discussion ab- about him and his work because, I, I, you know, as just knowing him, or predominantly knowing him for the big screen, I have I've read Kickass. Um, and I well and actually I read um, I read Civil War as well, um, but yeah, like I, I have an up and down relationship with him. Um, <laughs> what's it? What, what's your guys' relationship with Miller? I pre- I presume you both met him first pre two thousand and eight on the page.
1: I mean, I I think the first Mark Miller thing I ever read was his issues of Sonic the Comic back in the mid nineties. Wow, early to mid nineties when he was writing adaptations <laughs> of uh,
2: the Sonic the Hedgehog.
1: For exclusively for a UK audience. <laughs>
2: and what did you think of him back then, James?
1: I mean, back then, he, I would say, was inoffensive. <laughs> he,
2: the thing, is, that, is that something you can <laughs> say about him now? <laughs> <laughs> no.
1: I mean, the thing I find interesting about Mark Miller, and I would like to flag up early on in the podcast, don't go tagging him in to replies on Twitter, listeners. He's not going to like any of this. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> is
1: that he strikes me as someone who went, okay, I'm going to become famous, and I'm going to do it through comics. What is the most mercenary way I can do that? And to his mm. credit, like I've interviewed him a couple of times, he has a lot of charisma. I think he genuinely does care about the me- the medium of comics. Like no one, no one has to work in comics, and he has chosen to. Um, but I also think he has he's built his own hype off work that doesn't necessarily deserve that level of praise like he has done a lot of what i would call lazy adaptations or lazy lazy executions rather of some fairly basic concepts and the reason he gets the respect he does is because he talks them up a lot in the media and he's willing to work with traditional outlets and get his name out there. Mm. And so people who don't pay much attention to comics go, well, I've heard of Mark Miller, and here here's his urban fantasy comic, which he claimed was like, you know, the first time anyone has mashed together <laughs> wizards and urban living, which is fine if you ignore Harry Potter. <laughs> You know, just stuff like that. He he is a hype man, <laughs> and he's good. At, I okay. I think he's better at he's better at that than he is at writing comics. I okay.
3: Uh, okay <laughs> I didn't think this would be my role on this, but I, I'll push back against that a bit. You know, I'm glad that I'm glad that that's James's perspective on this chat, and I, you know, having watched a couple of these movies recently, I <laughs> lots of feelings not not positive feelings. But, however. I feel like, you know, I kind of started really getting into comics right around, you know, right around The Ultimates, so I did mi- I missed I still don't I think I maybe read the first volume of, of Authority mm-hmm. but basically missed that this DC moment. Um and kind of res- and my peak comics reading probably probably starts around that ult- around Ultimates and maybe even ends around Civil War. Like I feel like I I think I've probably read it. I think I've read every Mark Miller Marvel comic when it when it was being published week to week. Um, I, you know, I used to read. I don't know about James, but mm-hmm. well, I'm guessing this is true. But I used to read Wizard. You know, yep. every did it come out every month? Uh, yeah, I used to be like an avid Wizard reader. Um, which which Joe it was and, like the what, comics version of, like the, of comics, MI. the kind of mainstream yeah. comic uh, magazine. Yeah, yeah, uh, and I just remember. You know, thinking like the, he's this guy is is one of the you know one of the absolute stars of this medium. I read all I, re- I you know I'm reading all his comics and enjo- enjoying the, the the vast majority of them. Um, and I kind of think you can't. You know, I'm as Joe was doing that that intro. I wonder wh- I wonder whether I think the only other person that has had as much influence. I don't let's let's see if this if this works, but on, on, on almost all comic book films, as as this show has covered for yeah. years, is maybe it's Frank Miller? <laughs> no right? relation. No Miller, relation. <laughs> is, is the number two guy and, and No, 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 no. And and for good or ill, that <clears throat> and I and I agree that he's a he's a hype man, and maybe now, especially in his Miller World phase, it's it is the you know the kind of the, t- the the talk outweighs the the quality there the content but I don't know I think he I think he's undeniable again for good or ill he's undeniable as someone that can has we, put a, has really had influence on can this we start whole, off by focusing then maybe genre?
2: on his on his Marvel stuff because I I, I think that's interesting most of his adaptations um, that. know certainly the ones that i think come as mark miller vehicles and not the marvel stuff but you know he's he's credited um for his adaptations on the fantastic four the josh Trank movie captain america civil war obviously logan for his work on old man logan um but then you know we we talked about on our avengers episode how a, a lot of the a lot of the templates for the MCU characters actually came from the ultimate comics the the well <laughs> mm. well not not that not that they're direct adaptations james but that like that was that there was some inspiration there for yeah, I mean, looking at these characters I I feel like
1: mark miller has been very keen to play up that attachment when actually the avengers movie is a lot closer to sort of classic avengers comics than ultimates like ultimates reads a lot like an avengers movie pitch but it's got that mark miller cynicism running through it that the well avengers that is just doesn't touch
2: yeah. and i did I, I read that for the podcast and yes i would i would agree that in terms of the biggest difference and there are lots but the biggest difference is that cynicism that's there in the comic that you just never you just not never but rarely feel yeah from, well, i mean on the big screen.
1: i think the biggest thing out of ultimates that made it into the comics aside from samuel L. jackson is like the look of captain america and even then we're talking about like visuals created by his artistic
2: collaborator rather than him so so then so then what do you think from his Marvel work has ended up? Did he create Old Man Logan or is that just something that he works on?
1: Again, like he he wrote, yeah, he created the storyline Old Man wrote Old Man Old Man Logan. Um but the actual the actual comic itself didn't it's really it's... make it into the fabric of the movie. It was just the the idea of Yeah. an old Wolverine in the future.
2: Yes, I know, but I um I guess this is what's kind of interesting to me about Miller as well is that, you know, I've... So, let's go through his other adaptations. (laughs) Wanted in 2008, Mm Kick-Ass in 2010, Kick-Ass 2 in 2013, Kingsman in 2014, uh, and then Kingsman the Golden Circle in 2017. We've got The Kingsman coming up later this year, the third Kingsman movie. He's obviously got his Jupiter's Legacy stuff that's coming up on Netflix. It was announced last week that Joe Cornish is adapting um, his Starlight um, for Twentieth Century Studios. So you know that there's there's more coming, and from that stuff that I've just gone through, um, like Wanted, I've, I've rewatched for this. Um, <laughs> and a, a, a spoiler alert. Um, I kind of fucking hated it. Yeah, but but when I watched when I watched it for the first time when I was 18 I, 19 18, I was just yeah. kind of like yeah cool I guess it's, um and and and, and I, yeah yeah and exact, exact same exact and same the, same I, thing the idea to me. of it sure there's a secret sure. a, there's a secret fraternity of assassins and they' take it and like there's there's something in that basic idea it's not that it's not that complicated an idea of Oh, you it, like? I kind of I, I reviewed it on Letterboxd and I said it's The Matrix for Edgelords. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but like, you know, w- waking up in you know be, being told, oh, you you kind of find your life meaningless and worthless and have no sense of self worth. Actually, you're important. Here's this whole world that you didn't know mm-hmm. about, and let's go and have let's let's go off and be fun and cool and sexy in it. And there's going to be twists and stuff like there's something in that hook and that you know the movie was a huge hit kick-ass when when kick-ass came out in 2010 again like i was at uni i fucking loved kick-ass i still like the first kick-ass mm-hmm. the, the mm. first kingsman i like the first kingsman mm. movie um kick-ass 2 and kingsman the golden circle i think uh, to a greater extent kick-ass 2 but i think both are kind of piece of shit um and and i and i think I think both of them kind of take the take the like great huck of the idea from the first movie and then just really, really dial up the cynicism um right. and I wonder whether I wonder whether that's something about Mark Miller that you don't necessarily well i i certainly i don't necessarily love everything that he's doing, but there's a kernel of the idea there to begin with that I do latch onto and go. Okay, well I'm wi- I'm I'm willing to hear you out.
1: I mean, so the thing the thing I think that Mark Miller is good at is coming up with the elevator pitch. Like Yeah, he, yeah, that's what I mean. He undeniably yeah. goes, "Okay, what's my Flash Gordon thing going to be?" It's going to be Okay, what what if there was a hero like Flash Gordon and he came out of retirement, you know, in his old age. What's the story there? Or like what if someone tried to be a superhero in the real world? Like he he gets those Nemesis. What
3: if Batman? Or Nemesis. Nemesis is such a is such a hook, right? Yeah, like those things. Well, Batman
1: was he's joking, good at yeah, that.
2: Yeah.
1: The chrononauts, is, James.
2: What's what's his elevator pitch for Yeah, <laughs> I've
3: not read chrononauts
2: Is it a brief history of time <laughs> travel? <laughs> well,
3: but I mean, no, but okay. Like Superman Red sun What if Superman bit in Russia? Civil War. Mm. What if Captain America versus yeah. Iron Man? Ultimates. What if Avengers? But but modern. You know, and you, yeah. it, and you, you can, can see, you can, see why you can kind of reel why them
2: someone who has that wealth of elevator pitches. Mm-hmm. Would be so, mm. would, would No, but would be would be yeah, so worthwhile yeah. to Hollywood. Yeah, well, that, this is the we're... thing.
1: Like he not he he comes up with those yeah. like good ideas. He knocks out a, a serviceable comic, and then Hollywood takes those ideas, ignores the comic to a large extent, <laughs> and makes <laughs> you know a reasonably good movie.
3: Well, um... in
1: most cases.
3: <laughs> or in one case, like stinky little the thing is pile of the thing is like juice. that then gives <laughs> you license
1: to say like, oh yeah, you know i I my work was the basis for civil war, like well, was it they used the title of civil war, but it is still,
2: but yeah, it is no, still, on, the no. idea, right? no, no, still the central idea right the the
1: central idea in the comic civil war, yes, is should superheroes be registered and specifically should they give up their secret identities? And those are the two factions—the ones who want to remain yeah, but unregistered, that's, but that's and the ones not, who don't.
2: But that's not the thing that sells you on Civil War comics. The thing that sells you on Civil War comics is, yeah, yeah, this is what these, I'm saying. I've though. got these action figures and these action figures. I'm going to bash them together. Yeah, yeah, and they're yeah, going to yeah. fight. Absolutely. and It's going to be great.
1: Absolutely. And... But <laughs> like the film Civil War bears almost no similarity to the story Civil War.
2: No, but that's but I I don't think anyone's denying that. Um, but i think i think there is something in <laughs> yeah right that's the difference mark, mark miller, miller is the that. guy who's saying yeah <laughs> to be they fair use my work as the basis for the film which is just not true <laughs> yeah but that's that's someone who is i mean like mm. it, it feels like a lot of the times when we're talking about these people who have risen to prominence in comics and again i'm you know i'm speaking about this as someone from the outside, who mm-hmm. doesn't, you know, who's not intimately familiar with this. But it seems like the the winners from comic book history were all kind of hucksters to a degree. Yeah. And like... And Mark and, Miller and like, was
1: very deliberately pursuing that Stanley mm. self-promotional model. Like, he was and it, and, and, absolutely and, and I, and unapologetic like, about mm. that. And to his credit, he's done it.
2: And am I fair in saying that there's maybe, like, a sliding scale of mm. that hucksterism from... You know the 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 Bob Kane Bill Finger situation mm-hmm. to I, I you know I don't know where Stanley exists on it and Mark Miller and Todd McFarlane and like um uh what's his name the Deadpool guy what's Rob the Deadpool Liefeld. guy's name Rob Liefeld yeah, yeah. but they, they all Kirkland. feel like these Kirkman yeah but they yes yeah they they all feel like they've got something in common there and that's the the self promotional stuff and, but also like the. You're not you're not reaching that level of success without having something that's worthwhile, and I think for like for Mark Miller particularly, he seems to be able to package these things that don't like that don't seem too complicated, like Civil War. If the if the, if the idea is, what if the superheroes fight? Mm-hmm. What if they're what if they're on different sides and they fight? And I'm sure that's happened loads of times. In <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, but the, but he managed to package it in a way that people went, "Oh, yes please."
1: The thing is Civil War is a is a weird one because it's a company-wide crossover, right? Mm-hmm. His the authoring that he did in that story is fairly minimal. Like you you don't have a story like Civil War spinning out of the mind of one man. It would have been an, a huge stable of writers and editors who no. came up with that and he executed yeah. their vision.
2: and And to be fair the core story
1: of civil war is considered pretty weak as far as marvel crossovers go like that that core series civil war is incoherent without all the spin-off books
2: but it's got but it but it has a reputation right it's it's and it's known it's not just known because of the movie like it was one of the ones that i'd heard about
1: yeah yeah, it, it's got a reputation because it was a There's big something... crossover that Marvel did, like after eschewing crossovers for decades. Like it was probably getting on for seven or eight years between crossovers. Um. So when Marvel did it, was a big deal. And then they killed Captain America. And then they, the they yeah. killed Captain America.
2: Also, I right. wonder if um, yeah. as well that, and I want to get onto this with the adaptations, but I wonder if as well that part of the part of the success and failure for Mark Miller over the years has been the people that he's chosen to work with because am I right in thinking that he's actually he is actually quite progressive or quite egalitarian in the way that he works with his artists
1: I mean progressive is an interesting word because I would argue that he has chosen almost exclusively white male collaborators (laughs) but um, certainly one of the things he does with with his creator-owned work is offer 50% ownership to the artist mm-hmm. and that is why he gets to work with big artists because he goes like you know, come and, come and do this four-issue series with me you'll own half of it we'll take you to a movie studio you'll get half the money and when you're someone who's been doing work for hire not owning your creations for you know, building your profile but not, not getting IP under your name that's, that's an attractive deal because um, you
2: know, I, I I just look at these adaptations and I go, <clears throat> uh, "Kickass two based, you know, uh, based on the work by Miller and John Romita Junior." And mm-hmm. then Kingsman based on the work by Mark Miller and Dave Gibbons, and like that feels like, yeah, you know, a- a- again, I wonder whether that that profit sharing is, uh, it's actually a really shrewd move because it means yeah that yeah completely even even if his idea is pretty basic and complicated because like again kick-ass there is no reason why kick-ass what if superheroes in the real world again i can't imagine he's the first guy that did that
0: mm-hmm.
2: it's 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 also yeah also watch the movie it's,
3: it's yeah it's, yeah, it's, it's not, not true that yeah the other, it's not the real world it's super heightened and the, matthew Vaughan matthew Vaughan just understands that's the pitch but that's not the movie which is another interesting another interesting angle I
2: think to that to that film it's not and then Kick-Ass 2 really isn't (laughs) Kick-Ass 2 spends the majority of the running time uh, saying this isn't a comic book movie and you're going everything in here is absurd (laughs) everything (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah so I, I wonder whether that is you know part of the part of the reason for his success is the the people he chooses to work with, and then as you say, Reese, Matthew Vaughn on Kick-Ass, like I, like, once it almost feels like the outlier of a studio took his work and adapted <clears throat> it, and it hit at the right time mm. with the right cast. I mean, it, was, it should say as well, like, most of these ideas are... They're teenage boy protagonists mm-hmm. and e- even though mcavoy's character in wanted is slightly older it's they're like masturbatory <laughs> hey what if you normal i mean like in the case of Kickass and wanted like slubby nerdy not you know not that important guy it's it's like it's like anybody could be Spider-Man, right? It's like it's like appealing to that base instinct of what if you were a superhero, but like t- to the most basic bitch comic book nerd that's reading the comic and then it yeah. and then it does be and then it does become this masturbatory like and you'll get to look at Angelina Jolie's bum and the hot girl in school will want to kiss you and you'll get to see her boobs and then you'll get to shoot people and the heads will explode. That, and, I mean that's the thing about wanted, isn't it? Is that it's just so
1: <laughs> like misanthropic towards anyone who isn't the like white male sort of loserish or like mediocre white male guy
2: i think i think they all kind of are i think kingsman, well, yeah, and, yeah. kingsman <laughs> and an are as well they're just they're just
1: better packaged certainly when i was watching wanted and this was the first time i'd watched wanted i i got about 20 minutes in and i was like if i paid to see this in the cinema i would have walked out because i just <laughs>
2: which, I, which i did
1: <laughs> oh really
2: yeah, I, I. So, um, I it... th- fun little story. Um, so I was what? I was like 18, 19 when this, <laughs> when this movie came out. I think it was the summer after my first year at uni, mm-hmm. and, um, and I and I was kind of in the back of my head going, I think I would really love. It was it was it was even my summer before or first year of uni. I can't remember. But I really I really like it. I was seriously thinking, would I like to write about film for a living,
0: mm-hmm.
2: uh, or would I like to be involved in film for a living? But I was like, but I've never actually written a film review, so I should I should I should start tr- <laughs> I should start trying to do that. Yeah. And I think. <laughs> <laughs> i was a film writer. A I, think was, uh, no, fact, never. I think this was no, never. This was summer before uni, so like, yeah, so be- be- before I headed off to uni, and uh, wanted was like the first film that I actually like put a review of on the internet, um, just on like a shitty blog, and like linked to it on my Facebook. Um, mm-hmm. And um, I, you know, to be honest, I can't. I, I actually, I remember writing it and going, and um, one of the biggest conflicts in my head was going was it good i don't know if it was good <laughs> and that might that might have been a problem for me as a as a budding film critic that i couldn't actually decide <laughs> <laughs> if the movie i would watched was just good and i think i brought and my memory is that i veered between giving it two and four stars and not knowing, not knowing where to go with it um and <laughs> uh, don't you go with three stars? But I needed it. I needed it. Hot take. Eh? Come on, you've got to, got to. <laughs> no, for sure, sure. You've no such thing as a three-star yeah. movie. It has to be um, one director. Yeah. And um, and yeah, and I, yeah, it was, it was a, a weird, a weird experience thinking back to that and going. I, I I think I probably didn't like it deep down um, if I was having that kind of conversation with myself. Yeah. But there was there was obviously something there that I was like, well, it's 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 cool and there's good people in it and it's kind of it's it's bombastic and it shoots by and like yeah, I, I didn't see the twist coming and um, yeah, so I like again, there's 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 something on the surface of wanted that's that's really. That's really appealing, um, but then actually going back and looking at it, it I, I couldn't escape that Mark Miller cynicism. Yeah, like like I said, it feels so edgelordy. lordy. It feels so like <sighs> abrasive.
3: Yeah, there's the there's the, for me it's the moment. Yeah, it's there's the moment. Like I think it's after about fifteen twenty minutes. You know, the moment where he he is get, getting shouted at by Janice. And then, uh, I think he's he's met Jolie at this point. Should we uh, right? uh, should we, that that
2: we tell people quickly if they haven't seen it yes. what happens in Wanted? Let's do it. Let's do a, a very quick bit of setup. Oh, sh- so sh- it was directed by uh, Timur uh, Bekmambatov, who was coming off like um, the Night Watch and Day Watch Russian action movies that were like uh, I think like slightly cult for having this like cool visual aesthetic. Mm-hmm. I, I haven't I still haven't seen them. Um, James McAvoy stars as this, uh, office worker called Wesley, who, um, is like a schlub whose life has no meaning and you're supposed to, you're supposed to kind of identify with him and, and think a like, A oh. whose
1: life has no meaning.
2: Yeah. But <laughs> We're but, supposed but to you're feel su-
1: similar to him, yeah.
2: You're su- <laughs> but you're supposed, you're supposed to feel his frustrations of being yeah, yeah. like, stuck in this mundane world where nothing happens and people treat you like shit uh but it has a a real (laughs) real incel quality to it
1: that that's kind of the problem isn't it is that it it works Mm -hmm. it starts from a position of isn't your life shit don't you wish it was better
2: and the movie (laughs) the comical thing is the movie ends with a um and your life's still shit, but yeah. mine isn't, so as, fuck you. As the comic does. The comic <laughs> yeah. end
1: famously... And I've never read the comic, in fairness, but famously the comic ends with the protagonist sort of calling out comic fans for being fucking losers.
3: <laughs> and, like... Well, isn't... No, I mean, use the actual... Isn't... The the, the last one is infamous, isn't it? The last panel. Isn't it? And... and, and <laughs> this yeah. is a note to future Reese. Edit. I might cut this out. But <laughs> um, isn't the final panel wanted? It's a picture of it's a it's like full page, and it's Wesley's face, and the caption. Yes, yeah, I've just looked it up. It is,
2: ass. and Wesley, and it's got the end in big letters, and he looks like Eminem.
3: Yeah. Yes, and that is sure i mean that's yes. Yes. yeah yeah so that's so actually the movie version terrible, is, is less know?
2: offensive mm-hmm. <laughs> funny funny it's how end with the comedy version of that scene yeah <laughs> of, of that panel <laughs> but yeah so mm. so wesley wesley basically um is recruited by Angelina Jolie who works for a, a, a secret organization of assassins called the fraternity who hilariously get the names of their targets from um, that they, they the fraternity comes from like a, <laughs> an ancient society of weavers who it have joined sets up at the start yeah, and this loom, uh, when the loom kind of skips knots, uh, skips weaves in in the, in the like burlap sack, endless burlap sack that it is weaving, um, they convert those to binary code, which then spells out the name of people who the fraternity need to assassinate. And um, Wesley is brought in to kill the guy that has killed his dad. So his dad has been absent his entire life. He finds out he's an assassin. The fraternity train him up, they're all fucking assholes. Every single one of them. They're all pricks. <laughs> assholes to we- a man. Wesley's a prick. No one in this movie is nice. And then Wesley Wesley finally like learns <laughs> not to be a sad sack and learns to be an assassin and kills the guy who killed his dad. Except it turns out, twist, that is his dad. and He's just killed his dad. And then the fraternity try and kill him as well. And so he goes back and kind of wreaks see- vengeance on the fraternity. Um, and also a couple of other elements yes.
3: the fraternity is led by Morgan Freeman and Angelina Jolie plays sort of his yeah. his closest, to, you know, his mentor's trainer of. the person who, who reached out in the first place and also they can
2: curve bullets mm-hmm. they kind of have a superpower where they can all, They've all got slow like down time and curve bullets adrenaline which means that they can, yeah, they can make time go slower so they can Kill anyone whenever they want. Wesley can shoot the wings off a fly. Um, yeah. And there's that line at the earlier where he's like,
3: "No, you shouldn't have been taking this anxiety medication. This is actually making you not cool, and you, so you can't slow down time. <laughs> don't, don't take don't, your hey kids, <laughs> yeah. don't take don't take any medication that your doctor prescribes. Yeah, fine, cool. Wanted told me I'm yeah. not taking this. Can it's... I?
2: Med- medicine, but, no. but all of the stuff that we've just talked about, right? wicked cool trailer that's what that all what all of that stuff that i've just said i'm just i'm like mm. Yeah, a matrixy kind of thing where I'm waking up to a, you know, I've been suppressing the person I actually am. Mm-hmm. I need to wake up. I need to take the blue pill, see this real world, and I need to become an assassin who kills people based on what a loom tells me to do. Until I, until I find out that actually the loom <laughs> has been perverted by Morgan Freeman, who's not been converting the binary honestly, and now all of the fraternity need to die. But it, like it's. I don't hate the plot of the movie. I feel like I said I think the twist is a genuinely good twist, and like I can see why. Like as a teenager, I was like, "Yeah, okay," <laughs> um, but boy, is this film aged badly as this well. Is, so like,
0: when
1: I, when I was writing it, yes. when I was watching it, sorry, I was writing down some notes. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: you wrote wanted james <laughs> This got, is i just gonna mention a couple of
1: them uh one that i find interesting is that independently yeah, yeah. of joe's review i have written this is like the matrix for assholes <laughs> so clearly that is the vibe they're going for <laughs> yeah um i've got i've written it thinks it's a satire yeah, yeah, yeah. but it's just mean which i think is also true it's just like mm. shitting mm. on everyone it has absolute contempt for Everyone up to and including the audience.
2: Um, I mean, so I think emblematic of that is early on, Wesley has a girlfriend who is cheating on him with his best friend. Mm-hmm. Uh, his be- his best friend, played by Chris Pratt, in an early role. Yeah, I've written here um,
1: second favorite movie featuring Chris Pratt in the Pina Colada song.
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Um, but yeah, so like I think that the what the movie wants you to think is that, um, I mean, I also, after watching back to back, well, I'll be honest, I watched in a, in the space of 24 hours, I watched Promising Young Woman, Kick-Ass 2 and Wanted. And at the end of that, trio of films i was like oh my god i can't hear another woman called a bitch again i just can't <laughs> i just like <laughs> i'm done. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna i'm gonna turn to dust if another man calls a woman a bitch um and or, or, or in the case of kick-ass 2 uh, quite often it's chloe grace moretz using it um and i think it wants you to think the girlfriend is a bitch who is treating him badly who um, is is checking his best friend? But like from the moment you're introduced to her, he's like, "Ah, oh, there's my girlfriend." Being annoying, mm-hmm. just yammering on. So like, all right, so why are you why are you with her? Yeah, you clearly don't like each other. You're the dick here.
1: You're doesn't dick. he doesn't he call her like plain or something as well? I can't I can't remember exactly. But... Yeah,
2: just just really dismissive of her, and like he thinks his best friends a dick, and like none of this seems related to the fact that they're having an affair. Or whether he even knows about it at that point. It's just it's, well, it's just ca- it's that got this like whole thing he's a of, bad person.
1: It's got this whole like thing about fragile masculinity, which is that he you know, he thinks he should be entitled to a sexier girlfriend and cooler friends. Yes. And that he should be more powerful and more important.
2: Yeah. And you're just and like, a better job. And his yeah. his boss his boss shouldn't treat him badly. But like I was sat there watching the movie going, Give 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 it give her the report he hasn't, the, he hasn't sent yeah, the report in.
0: Yeah, she, she Yeah, he like, hasn't she done it
2: be a comical monster for the sake of the movie for the way that she talks to him and like snaps her stapler at him. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, Yeah, you ain't you ain't doing your job, mate. Yeah, you're not
1: even doing that.
2: So it's just it's just from very early on I was like on this rewatch I was like Fuck this guy. Yeah. A <laughs> but movie like, again, again, when I was a teenager, I was But like, the moment I like James McAvoy, <laughs> and he's and he. I think he does as good a job as you can. But it's the of of selling that character as any anything other than completely repugnant. the
1: the The only thing, the only it, it, thing the, the film the has the moment... going for it is Sorry. that James McAvoy has like the the comic timing yes. and the comic persona it needs to sell this like yeah. absolute mm. bullshit as anything other than like just. Or for wanky revenge fantasies.
2: Mm. James McAvoy's good at playing mm. real assholes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it made th- this movie was making me think of Filth. I don't know if you've seen Filth, yeah, yeah. Where, where he plays like the the most bent of bent coppers, like Line <laughs> of Duty. Line of Duty can only dream. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, Get H- um, on him. <laughs> I, I, But yeah, I, but this is kind of the movie that that kicks him off as being an action star because we've got like he, he started to break through in hollywood he'd been in he'd been in the the narnia movie he'd been in, well st- start of start a, 10, a 10 which has got you know your who's who of british actors who are going to be in things for the next 10 years uh, <laughs> last king of scotland and um and then he'd done atonement the year before but yeah what wanted here is really like the announcement of him as a as an action cinema guy um, and it's something that he's returned to I, I think like semi-regularly mm-hmm. um, but the movie the, to, to, to
3: a point you just made I don't think the movie I think he's playing it as oh I'm, a, I'm an arsehole I think but the movie—I don't think the movie thinks that. that no, I think, yeah. I think I think I think the movie, and, and that's I, a problem with. with I think, the director. It's a problem with the source material, and McAvoy yeah. kind of gets it right. He's like, no, this. <laughs> hey, I don't know this if you've guy seen the this worst, story. This guy is horrible. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I'm going to play it. <laughs> and it, he and he the, the film around he him is
2: the not reflect. worst of the Miller protagonists, um, but. Every what you know from Kickass and Kingsman as well. Every one of them are, are setting up those characters as mm-hmm. you you want to be this guy. You you want someone to come and turn your life upside down and become this guy because that's a cooler version of yourself than you are already. Yeah. Um, and it's just that in I think in we talked on the Kingsman episode. I think Kingsman has lots of co- a, a very complicated relationship to class. Um but kick ass is i think a bit more a a bit simpler of just like here's just an ordinary kid who decides that he can be who who wants to be more and goes out and does it um well I th- watching the sorry so
3: just for context i watched mm-hmm. i rewatch wanted and kick ass that was the two i watched, and i did wanted first mm-hmm. kick ass, second wanted i hated. Kickass much better, but I think part of it is that in Wanted, I think the film thinks like as I, as I sort of said, the film thinks all oh, this is cool, and in Kickass, at least for a, for a good chunk of it, I think the movie is sometimes quite subtly being really um, mm-hmm. being it's being satirical the, on what you're watching, you know. The interesting uh, that's thing the you, that's the I, difference. That's the difference.
2: I'm a hundred percent sure this is the case with Kickass. I'm not a hundred percent on Kingsman, but I think so. Um, I think the difference there is that Matthew Vaughan develops them in tandem with the comic being written. So like I think particularly for Kick-Ass because like mm-hmm. I was super into Kick-Ass at the time. i have got um, I got it as a freebie, but I got like a, a Kick-Ass from Page to Screen like book that um that I read <laughs> like cover to cover at the time and was like because I I just loved the movie and thought that um, I was like, "Yeah, tell me everything about it." Um, but yeah, Matthew Vaughan basically went to Mark Miller, and I think he probably, you know, was after Wanted was like. Should point out, Wanted was a huge hit. Mm. It made it made um, three hundred and forty million dollars um, at the box office, which is like, which
3: is which is fascinating because no. McAvoy at that point is not a star, it's not IP. Mark I Miller think Joe, jo- Miller. It's just, it's interesting. The movie was sold it's on Angelina. It's interesting Jolie. how how much money it, it made. You know? yeah, yeah. It
2: definitely was. The poster was yeah, her at but... the side. Like I, I, and I think that the movie was also sold on the promise of seeing Angelina Jolie's bottom slightly. Um, <laughs> it turns but there, out if, uh, you, uh,
1: if you pander to white men in their twenties, you will get some money.
2: But that, uh, it did make me think as well, watching that, that's kind of how the female characters are treated in. There's very few female characters in these movies. It tends to be there is one love interest kind of off to the side who is objectified for their hotness and mm-hmm. then, uh, and doesn't really matter as a character. And I think the the only outlier is Hit Girl in the Kick-Ass movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but then after watching Kick-Ass 2 last night, I think M- Mindy's subplot in Kick-Ass 2 where she is um, trying to make friends at high school is one of the most misogynistic, um, just uh, like I- I- in a movie that's this this masturbatory fantasy for teenage boys could not be more dismissive of teenage girls if it tried um M- mindy to me it's like uh, her gender is basically irrelevant like there's n- there's nothing demonstrably female about her it, i think it i think it's just she's designed to be sh- shocking as a character and that's why she's a girl rather than a boy mm-hmm. um but you know like that so you've got the angelina jolie mm-hmm. character there you've got um Lindsay fonseca's character in the first kick-ass and then uh night bitch in the in the second kick-ass oh, and um sophie Cuxen in kingsman and 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 then you know the princess in the at the end of that movie in the sequel um i apologize for saying at the end of that movie um and they're, they're, they're all kind of treated the same way they're all kind of treated the same way which is like Arm candy, and just imagine if your life—if your life wasn't so shit—you could be with a beautiful girl like this as well.
3: What I—I I mean, <laughs> mild pushback to that, even though you're right—is that—is that you know, you, you know, that isn't. Mark Miller's doing that yes but that's oh, like that's hollywood in a way like the mark miller movie saying saying that saying like oh you dweeb you know you could if you had powers you could be with this with this hot girl that and like, literally saying that like most hollywood movies don't say that but they but that's the subtext yeah, it, like what i'm saying is it's that a that's a
0: point that is, like, that's how, is, was, that's, how that's is this that's different from at least any until very recently
3: movie, for example
0: hmm. exactly
1: i guess yeah. i guess the main difference is yeah. <laughs> this came out the, the, the difference is 2000 not 1970
2: well no i, I you know what? i actually think it's it's another interesting thing to talk about here with you know with his work continuing to be adapted um because it does it does feel like matthew vaughn particularly so so once it comes out it's a massive hit Vaughan develops the kick-ass movie alongside uh, Miller writing the comic and kind of goes right. Love the central idea. I'm going to take this and this and this. You keep carrying on. Every so often, I'll ring you and see if you've got anything else cool I want to drop into my movie. But mostly, I'm just going to crack on from here. Um, I mean, is, and and it, is that true? Because Kickass is probably the
1: closest of all the adaptations that was ever
2: done. <laughs> I, I think, but I think that's because they kind of went back and forth. Yeah. yeah okay. I I th- what I I think that certainly. Vaughn was was like a, a mediating voice in it, yeah, um, and and maybe shaped some of the direction it took. Because actually, like Kickass also doesn't like, and I would say this for the for the first, no, no, actually, maybe maybe less so. I think Kickass actually feels like the least cynical of all of these adaptations. The first Kick definitely
1: the movie is uh, like the movie is the least cynical of all the movies
2: i like and I, it, I like it i still like it yeah
1: me too and it, it i think it, it yeah it's good it's like good. Me too. shaves off a lot of the cynicism that is in the comic um i mean reese you've seen the film more recently than any of us. how would you say it fares in those terms
3: Yeah, I mean, so, so, uh, Pete Behind the Curtain, the, I finished watching Kick Ass <laughs> about three seconds before we started recording this podcast. So, really, really quite recent. Um, yeah, I really enjoy, especially having watched Wanted last night and hate and really hating it. I really liked Kick Ass more than I thought, even though, even though, kind of the premise is, it's mm-hmm. kind of the, the premise is the same, right? Teenage Dweeb. Enters a new world and sort of has power, and one of them is he can slow time and shoot down bullets. <laughs> other is he puts on a. You know,
2: I wonder if I wonder if, status, though, is, I wonder if his status though is. I wonder if I think status actually, is part they, of the actually the the you know it works <clears throat> because all the way through Kickass Dave is an underdog. He is uh, he 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 yeah, never he doesn't enter this new world and become the badass within it, which Eggsy does in Kingsman and. Um, and I, and I wonder whether the reason why I like the first Kingsman a lot more is because he's kind of learning to become badass in that first one, and then in the second in the second one he's just there, mm. and it's not interesting. And I think the stuff they do with Colin Firth is dumb, and I don't like the. I just don't. I don't like the plot of the second one. Um, but yeah, D- Dave is kind of a Dave. Kind of becomes but kickass, also, but- and then suddenly realizes that like. Oh god, this would be cool if I was a superhero, and then gets the shit beaten out of him, and then even after he kind of lives the dream beyond that and does become a superhero to an extent, it's still as like he's like um, Kurt Russell in Big Trouble. The real, the real, <laughs> the real plot is going on next to him with Mark Strong and um, and Hit Girl and Nicolas Cage. It's not he he just happens to be there fighting as well and has his face off with Christopher Mintz blast instead. So he's, he's kind of low status within that world. So even when he becomes, when he lives the yeah. dream, it does, and I think that's why maybe it's still, even within the heightened world, it does feel like it is, like Dave kind of is, what if a real person became a superhero? <laughs> even, if the, even if the world around him is heightened.
3: Yeah, there's that, yeah. There's a lovely moment towards, I'm not sure about lovely, there's a good moment towards the <laughs> end, where it's them getting prepped for the final battle, hit and Dave, and like is is sort of loading all the loading her guns up and getting all the knives and stuff, and then Dave is just like <laughs> cleaning the blood off his face in the mirror and 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 he can't even get all the blood off his face like i i i think matthew vaughan is is you know. Maybe kind of almost views the whole not not with contempt. Maybe kind of just think, mm-hmm. thinks this is a bad idea for all these characters. This is a, oh god, why 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 would anybody do this? Why are these characters doing this? These characters are making mistakes in a way that maybe Miller isn't quite is 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 too removed from it to, to see. And I kind of think that's what makes the movie work. There's you know and it, there's a and there's a satire. All this you know the, the, you know I remember there there was lots of chat about Nicholas Nicolas, mm-hmm. Nicholas Cage kind of doing Adam <laughs> West. Which uh, I'd forgotten I think I remember it from he's, the time. He's so I'd good forgotten in it. it before yes. I watched it in here and then like it's, the it's so good and well. that stuff's hilarious <laughs> and it's and it,
0: it Yeah. Oh,
3: it's all so fun like it's really funny. Like the movie is is properly funny, especially on the side you know, maybe less so with Dave, but especially with those side characters. And the hit goal stuff is is shocking, uh but in a really kind of like, I found it, I found it sh- still shocking today when someone, you know, some of the language she uses and the violence, the violence is shocking. And but, but we I think we're the point. I think the point is it's sort of both sat- satire and critique. Uh, and that point of view is, is, I think,
2: is, I think, is, should we, uh, should we litigate so. Kick Ass 2, which is a movie that we haven't talked about in the podcast before? Yeah. James, you, um, You and I were talking about this last week before Mm -hmm. each of us revisited it. I hated Kick-Ass 2 (laughs) when I saw it in cinemas. Uh, You were kind of like, I kind of remember it being fine. Yeah. How do you you (laughs) want to revisit?
1: (laughs) So uh, what I can say is I was definitely wrong. It's not not fine. (laughs) So the reason I think in the past the reason I thought Uh. it was fine is because I still think it's basically competent as a comedy like there are plenty of well executed jokes in there some of the problems with it are that the jokes are often racist and sexist
2: um and in that and in that and i think we were kind of like in a in a pocket in the early 2010s yeah where where it was like people felt confident making those jokes mm-hmm. if it was like and i i remember <laughs> Uh, the, the the character I always think of is the Ricky Gervais character in Cemetery Junction, mm-hmm. which he you know, he wrote and directed himself, I think, and and then and it was like, What if I was a dad from the seventies who's making racist jokes? Yeah. But it's okay, because we're all we know that that's just what blokes back then used to do, and it's not okay. It's not okay, but I'm I'm making yeah. them. It's very happy we... cake
1: and eat it. It's like in the same yeah. in this film you've got Christopher Minz Plass being like Oh, we've got this guy, the black guy. What are we going to call him? Like, his name will be Black Death. And then that's, you've got John, John Leguizano yeah. going. That's that's not cool. Hmm. And like their their take is
2: Genghis Genghis Carnage yeah. is one of the other ones. And yeah. like the
1: take is we can ha- we can do all these racist and sexist jokes if we have someone standing on the sideline going, oh that's not cool, or if we put them in the mouths of the villains then, of course, it's fine to do them because they're the bad guys.
2: And I remember when the first film came out, um, the Daily Mail ran that article that I remember vividly saying paedophiles are going to love Hit Girl and it became this controversy around kick-ass. And I remember thinking, "Ah, such bullshit nonsense. Yes, this is... like, But, like, it's it's an absurdist piece of humour that this young girl is... This knife-wielding, cunt-bomb dropping, um, <laughs> mercenary, like, s- yeah, so sociopath vigilante, <laughs> sociopath, yeah, vigilante, and then he gets murder. the sequel, and yeah. that like the Mindy subplot rub rub me up the wrong way so much, like that. So she she befriends these schoolgirls, and like from what I understand as well. James, correct me if I'm wrong. Mm -hmm. The Kick-Ass 2 is also quite a a direct adaptation of the comic.
1: Yeah, if any... Again, Kick-Ass 2 has slightly toned things down for the
0: movie. Yes.
2: If you can... uh, Yeah. And there's one scene that I definitely want to talk about that in relation Mm. to. Um, Mm. But yeah, so the subplot with Mindy is she, she... like her foster father played by maurice Chessant, one of t- one of two characters who's recast from the first movie one of them being uh the evan peters character from the first kick-ass which i thought was um after watching wandavision I- i'd completely forgotten that he was recast for the sequel so that <laughs> yeah was right uh, <laughs> recast with augustus prue who um Oh boy, any time he turns up in a movie, uh, I do not like um, And um, yeah, so M- Mindy, her foster dad is like Or d- adopted dad is like, look, you need to make friends at school You need to forget this hit girl nonsense You need to go to school, make friends So she goes, She she's introduced to this This like blonde, mean girls Rachel McAdams in Mean Girls kind of character Who has these two friends and uh, the first thing that they're like is, oh, uh, are you um, are you sexually active? Because you should be sexually active. Why aren't you sexually active? I I, I know what's going to trigger you. Let's watch this video of a boy band. So they watch a video of a boy band, which is actual Union J, uh, which the, the, the movie pauses to watch their music video. It's very careful to uh, be clear that, yes, in fact, this boy band are sexy and good. And even Mindy thinks so. So... Um, They're not the punchline, guys, because otherwise they wouldn't have signed on and given us money to place their music video Mm -hmm. in this. But what we do need to make clear is that all of these girls are silly little bitches who are horrible, not nice people. And one of the first things that we want to do is get one of them to talk about how wet her panties are by watching that video. And I'm like, yeah, no, that, that that is the inappropriate... Like when you're if if you're not gonna let these teenage girls be characters, don't have these minors talk about how wet their panties are in a in a in a superhero parody mm-hmm. movie. I just thought it was so gross, and then the way that they are just treated as mm-hmm. you know fodder for. Do you know what'll be funny if we can get this girl to shit herself? Yeah. Because how humiliating will that be for the teenage girl? Um and, and like I said, like it was at that point that I, I kind of realised, oh, they're not writing Mindy as a teenage girl. They're right, she's just mm-hmm. she's just another one of the guys who's playing who's playing dress up as a superhero. Mm-hmm. Um and then when you take a step back and go, right, okay, so who are the female characters in this movie? It's Mother Russia who is again kind of i don't know the, the the way she she's just she's kind of depicted as like um like just a, just a a big muscly brute who has just ob- absurd strength and the ability to kill <laughs> do people you remember
1: maniacally. do you remember uh the punisher what if <laughs> yes. the russian from punisher was a woman
2: yes of course yeah yeah that's 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 dead on um and then you've got Night Bitch, who is Dave's new love interest. Yeah, his new
1: love immediately
2: interest immediately before... fucks him the second they meet. Immediately fucks him the second they meet, but without ever having seen his face. Mm-hmm. Um, is there to replace Lindsay Fonseca from the first movie, who is. Like in that really, uh, oh, do you remember? Do you, do you remember when Transformers wrote out Megan Fox mm-hmm. because Megan Megan Fox had said some. She compared Michael, Michael Bay to it, a though. Nazi, and and then so she was written out, and then the first, like the way she was written <laughs> out was was like, oh, um, Shia LaBeouf's with Rosie Huntington Whiteley now. Oh, what happens to that other girl? Oh, she was cheating on him. What a bitch! And like literally call her a. They they call the character a bitch in the movie. And this character that, you know, supposedly if you're a Transformers fan, you've spent the first two movies liking and investing in, has just been written off as a, like, well we'll fuck that bitch. And that's kind of what they do. I I can't believe Lindsay Fonseca agreed to turn up for a scene to have that happen to her, which is for her to just there's a misunderstanding where she thinks that Dave is having sex with Mindy. Again, another example of the movie sexualizing Mindy when it doesn't have to. Mm -hmm. Um... And she's like, oh, well, I've been fucking someone else anyway. Uh, so it just, it's just like, right, well, fuck that female character from the first movie. Here's your new one, Night Bitch. And she exists to, as you said, have sex with, um, have sex with Dave as soon as they meet. And then later in the movie, Christopher Mintz-Plasse's character, who is now going by the supervillain moniker of the Motherfucker, um, decides, finds out where she lives, and turns up at her house, and decides he's going to rape her. Um, and James, this is the scene that was toned down for the movie. Yeah, because in
1: the comic, she does get raped. I think is it even gang raped? I can't remember. I haven't read it for a long time, but she does. She gets very badly sexually assaulted, and, uh, and the, the comic is very clear on that's what happens to her.
2: And the movie, I think, while it it, it is Probably, you know, wise not to do that. I don't know why it felt the need to still include the scene because he turns up to rape her, and then it turns the rape scene into a into a dick joke, into an impotence gag, into an impotence gag. And I, it just, at that, that's the point in the movie where you're just like. Fuck all of this! Like no, like because I, like I said I I liked the first Kickass. I like I liked that character, and like and then and then Dave's dad gets brutally murdered, and he gets brutally murdered because one of Dave's friends decides to join the villains and mm-hmm. drops that piece of information. And at the end of the movie doesn't like Dave. At the end of the movie, doesn't seem to care that his dad is dead. Um, it's just it's all it's all this like escalation of the ideas of the first movie of what if a superhero existed in the real world? And let's keep doing that, um, but make it more absurd and less believable. And the kind of the real world stuff that it that it decides to land on is like, oh, it's not like, it's like the Spider-Man thing, right? If, well, no one can find out I'm Spider-Man because what about Mary Jane? Mm-hmm. And in Spider-Man, that would probably mean, well, the Green Goblin's going to kidnap her. Whereas Mark Miller's like, she'd get raped.
1: Yeah. It just it's... the thing so the thing about that scene that really like i just found abhorrent was like how it's it ties back into wanted how like the the film's perspective in both cases is like the worst possible thing that can happen is someone else fucking your girl mm. and like and then this film manages to make it even worse and go like Oh, also, like, if you can't rape someone, you're not a man. Like, isn't it funny you can't rape that girl? Ha, ha, ha. Yeah. It's it just
0: the
1: the... Like, the toxic masculinity that hangs around these movies. Just... I just... I can't get away from the contempt it has for just everyone who's watching it. Like the the people who have gone to see it and are being called like losers and fuck ups and being told like this is yeah you know your life is shit because the movies because yeah.
3: you can't do these things because the movies also uh, as we've as we've already established like yeah. are about mm. like young men <laughs> you know so kind of. You, you're both. You are. You're selling to mm-hmm. the people that you. I mean, when when people. And again, I
2: like. Yeah. Yeah. I watched this the same day I watched Promising Young Woman, and, you know. Talking about like. A rape culture and growing up. It, you know, like I, I. I talked about this back when we did our mm-hmm. um, Doctor Horrible episode, and and I talked about it. I think on our Josie and the Pussycats episode as well. But I really do feel like. I grew up in the late 90s of the lads mag mm-hmm. like uh, American teen movie revenge of the nerds culture that that was that was a rape culture for nerds like that yeah, that yeah. feels that feels like the landscape that I was that I grew up in pop culturally that was it was it was for the lads but it was also for the nerds so it was like you know like it, and i i you know i've got a lot of affection for the movie still but you know the central you know that one of the centerpiece scenes in american pie is a group of guys filming a girl getting changed against her will and broadcasting it on the internet and it like subverts it by humiliating the guy as part of it and i think that's the only reason it it gets away with it to any extent but You know that's a movie that I that I had a lot of affection for, and I watched over and over again. And um, you know, I did. I like I picked up and read Lads Mag's when I was a teenager because I was like, um, I was a horny thirteen-year-old who wanted to see what was on the inside of FHM. You know, Um, and I do wonder, especially and especially with these Mark Miller films, looking at them, something like Wanted. I don't feel like I don't feel like I'm just looking on on Wikipedia here. It has a rotten tomato score of seventy one percent, so it was broadly liked. It was broadly well reviewed. Mm-hmm. Um, Kick-Ass two wasn't well reviewed in twenty thirteen, but I don't feel like there was a there was a moral outrage about it. No, I don't feel I don't I don't remember people saying like this film is gross. The things that it does are gross. Kingsman got a little bit of that the next year because of the the final scene, the joke in the final scene with the the princess and the anal sex. Um, I actually think that that scene is a I still think like it, it's a it's a joke, it's a James Bond joke of what if we actually just said out loud the like when James Bond's dropping a double on Trondra, what if mm-hmm. we just remove the what if we just remove the double and say it um, and mm. I kind of I think it's funny mm. on that mm. level but also you know I think you know there's, there's still something about the way that that movie treats women and it's not looking at the spy genre and james bond as something to critique it's looking at it as something to aspire to mm. um and and then you know uh, i think you know kingsman the golden circle is kind of you know was it did it did okay at the box office? It it did okay reviews wise, but it didn't, you know, from mo- considering the you know it basically it made slightly less than the first movie did three years later, and was worse reviewed. Hmm. I wonder with all of that. I wonder whether culture is kind of has kind of caught up, yeah, or or, or moved, away, moved from away from that yeah. from that teenage masturbatory. And and I think negative uh, mm. portrayal of young masculinity mm. um, that that Miller portrays in these screen you know that, that that's present in these adaptations. Um, and so I you know I don't know if if the movies that were hits when they were hits still would be able to be now you know in a as I said, in a year when I'm watching Promising Young Woman, which has just been nominated for Best Picture at the Oscars, and mm. we've been through Me Too. Um, but I guess my question here is: Is that still Mark Miller? Is 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 his work still doing that, or is mm. he is he also smart? Has he also realised that? Has he also moved beyond it? Because like well, okay. Jupiter, Asc- Jupiter, Asc- Jupiter Ascending doesn't seem like that from the outside. If the thing not Jupiter ascending <laughs> is it? Jupiter's legacy. Jupiter <laughs> ascending is, Tubes is legacy, the yeah. is um, the Wachowski's movie.
3: Or superior, or Nemesis, or and, you know, and and is that in, is that in the ultimate? Is that in Civil War? Is that? <laughs> it in is in the, the ultimate. Like there is, there is. He's riding. Is he sort of the waves, right? for
1: example. Mm. Um,
3: yeah. No, exactly. that's true. Yeah. Um, yeah. Really, really gross sexual. However,
0: violence,
1: yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think Mark gross Miller stuff. is smart enough to know that, you know the sands have shifted it is a notable change to the Kick-Ass franchise is that having completed Dave Liszewski's story he brought the character of Kick-Ass back with the protagonist being a black woman um, and she took over the identity and Hit-Girl's still around um, someone else is writing the actual comics but I think you know Mark Miller is nothing if not uh, Canny Opportunist. And he clearly went, well, you know, what people are latching onto now are, you know, POC stories. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that.
2: I'm just looking. So Hit Girl um, has been written by. Kevin Smith, uh, Stephen Niles, Jeff, I believe. Jeff, Jeff Lemire, Kevin Smith, Daniel Way, Peter Milligan have written yeah. issues of okay. Hit Girl. So, I know, Stephen
1: yeah. Niles is doing the, uh, the Kick Ass series, yeah.
2: And then, and then, yeah. And then, what's what are the other stuff that he's working but, on? What's the other stuff that that you know? If you were Netflix, or if you were, you know, like, well, what's that? What's this Joe Cornish thing? What's Starlight?
1: Starlight is um, what if Flash Gordon came out of retirement. Um, the other thing he's doing is the Magic Order, which is that sort of wizard, I, I presume, fancy wizards thing.
2: Just to check, I presume that Flash Gordon comes out of retirement. To be Flash Gordon again rather than quarterback in the New York Jets. Because, <laughs> <laughs> I, yes. I, I mean, the Jets need a quarterback, but I think, <laughs> I think Flash Gordon is. Yeah, and is, I mean, not, not the literal brand.
1: Flash Gordon. A Flash Gordon analogue. A Flash <laughs> yes. Gordon analogue comes out of retirement. Yeah. You know, having retired back onto Earth and being thought of as like the crazy old guy
2: it it sounds like something that you could have told me that Grant Morrison has done, or that, <laughs> or that, Alan Moore did thirty years Mark ago. You mean
1: mentor, Grant Morrison? You mean? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
3: <laughs> well, that is that is the fact that is the the that is the the very interesting famous <laughs> yeah. parallel careers that those two guys have had, right, James? You know, and Morrison's a guy who you know I know we talked about it. I didn't bring it up way earlier, but you know that that new Superman comic announced today, the son of the son of jor It's not written by Morrison, but reading that same press release, Grant Morrison has mm-hmm. a new Superman comic coming out in July as part of that kind of soft relaunch. Like Morrison's a guy who's he's he's stayed with comics, and and Miller maybe maybe to what James said earlier, he's always wanted to be quote unquote bigger than comics, and I, I kind of I'm not sure that Morrison. I'm not sure that he has wanted that, but they've had, you know, they're two Scottish creators. Yeah, um, what, well... There's about a decade well, between them age-wise. Morrison like similar, you know, was age the one similarly. who, you know,
1: helped Miller get his break, and they later fell out. But um, mm. the, the thing... I would say the, the key thing about those two creators is Mark Miller has never written a comic as good as Morrison's best. Like, the problem with Morrison is that he's not as good at... Sure. Uh, you know distilling his ideas and, and pitching them to people like his Morrison's sort of thing is that he's the big mm. sort of complicated psychedelic you know Beatles guy and mm. you know Miller's the I don't know what's the what's the analog if Morrison's the Beatles or,
3: is he the monkey? is he the well, monkey? Is is he's more
1: likely the monkeys yeah all
3: that all that, that yeah
1: um yeah,
3: yeah sure sure well no except 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 that the Beatles, yeah, <laughs> the Beatles music is very accessible he's yeah I mean I, I think I think for transparency Grant Morrison's my favorite certainly he's he's great, up there for me yeah you know great well this support. and uh, th- but he, but also his his stuff is I so I think I've often you know I'll, I'll I remember that first volume of Green Lantern that came out recently. Like, I, I, I would read those issues like four them, yeah. times and still barely understand them. Like, he, it's incredibly
1: inscrutable. Dance. Yeah. Well, it demands it I, demands I, your attention phone, and like, your active participation I, 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 actively... in reading it. Mark Miller will just be like, you yes. don't need to read the yes. words to understand yes. what's going on in a Mark Miller comic.
2: And then, interesting. I, I mean, so, <laughs> yes. so as I was watching <laughs> yeah. Wanted, I jokingly messaged our chat thread um, and said is Mark Miller an edgelord? <laughs> because, <laughs> because I was like, I, I didn't realise. And James was like, he kind of is an edgelord before the idea of an edgelord yeah. was a thing. Um, and then we would, like, there was a discussion about whether Miller had ever written anything that, was, that wasn't that was cynical and that wasn't edgelordy and that was, like, just, you know, just nakedly emotional. And, and um, former... <coughs> Pod, for past and future podcast uh, michael Eder said yeah has he ever written a, has, has he got a wee 3 mm-hmm. has he got a you know has has yeah. he got one of those and so is that mm. is that maybe where the two diverge as well is that morrison has that capacity for that and and other than maybe some lesser known early stuff that that miller tends to eschew that just for like Surface cool. He doesn't want to. He doesn't want to delve into the emotional stuff. It's more about yeah. The, that's definitely part of it. Like I the mean, plot and the and the exterior.
1: One of the one of the things that I have, you know, when I interviewed Mike Miller, i sort of said to him, the the movie seems a lot less cynical than the comic.
2: And which which movie is this? Sorry,
1: uh, Kickass. This was the original Kick-Ass. The first Kickass. Yeah, and he he pushed back at me and said, like, well, actually, if you read the comic, it's quite it's quite you know optimistic and upbeat and it's like that is just it's flatly not true so either he was trying to spin it or he actually believes that he is writing things that aren't cynical and you know misanthropic (laughs) it's possible he just has a miscalibrated sense of what is upbeat you know
2: yeah and so and so where you know what what is he doing now what are we what is he what doing can we now? expect from it because <sighs> I, I, I i i doubt that you know obviously the kingsman movies are going on but i think the kingsman is an original idea right it's not based on a on a comic if i'm right is that is i think that's just something that yeah they're just out.
1: they're spinning out the lore of the films as yeah. they've created them yeah
2: and then I can't imagine that you know we're going to see more Kickass. It feels like even though they're still making those, I don't know what appetite there would be for that IP.
1: Now. <laughs> I mean, you say that. Apparently, they were tr- they were trying to get Kickass three
3: off the ground. As, disagree. As yeah, I disagree. As
1: like a year and a half ago. Wow.
3: Yeah. Okay. And also, also, if you're Chloe, you know, if you're Chloe Grace Moretz, <laughs> and you know Hollywood. The, you know, the whole kind of one-for-them-one-fairness one-for-me-one-for-them well, well, one <laughs> thing yeah. you
2: know that's, uh, when, that's when a, they started that's checking brand, around you know, the that's of thing you could 3, her response to. was
1: after what happened in 2, I'm not interested
2: oh really? yeah, good
1: so yeah. that sort of reduces the chance of it happening but, like I say, it's been on the table as recently as 2019 okay. um, what Mike Miller is doing at the moment is uh, uh, another series of in the Jupiter's Legacy sort of cycle, um, which began a Ju- quite a way back in 2013, but he's he's done a couple of spin-offs. It was Jupiter's Legacy, Jupiter's Circle, Jupiter's Legacy Two, and Jupiter's Legacy Requiem is the one he's doing now. Um, mm-hmm. Other stuff he wrote, he did a second volume of American Jesus, if you can believe that.
2: Um, What's uh, what? What is American Jesus? American
1: Jesus was one of his very early comics in fact, I think American Jesus was a remake of I can't remember which way around it was he he wrote a story called American Jesus I think and then he rewrote it as a story called Chosen but it's about you know what if Jesus came back in America in mm. the present day uh, and he did um, a series called Prodigy as well, which was just like it seems like he's just sort of knocking out one Millerworld book a year. to to generate ip for netflix which fair Mm -hmm. enough that's his job right
2: um um, but and so do they seem like they've moved away from this what if you were a teenager but things became cool and then you got to live this yeah this this kind of wet dream lifestyle yeah
1: yeah they're they're more well-rounded as pitches more diverse as pitches i would say
3: But it's interesting it's interesting that you know he hasn't had the success of wanted slash slash kingsman which are, which are all that he hasn't had anything like that success after, after those projects but as he's moved away from that idea so you wonder if if you're Mark Miller
2: you,
3: you know you kind of you kind of go what oh, but okay has something but something has gone wrong there? do I
2: return kick-ass to, 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 to some of these really, stuff was really like it it came It came with the promise of a movie already coming, and so and and Kingsman was like very Mm. quickly. I seem to remember was Matthew Vaughn was like, "I'm doing that." So I wonder whether that's that's part of it really that it's the he he hasn't had anything that's that's turned up that's already that you're already being pointed to by going and and someone saying this is going to be important. You'll want to read this because there's going to be a movie.
3: No 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 but I, no I don't mean I don't mean he's not had success in the in comics I kind of mean he's not had success from that they haven't been adapted in the wider
2: culture since since, that, since, that, since that this not, trio. that none of those other ideas have you know, like, upcoming do you, do you, adaptations apart from Jupiter's legacy
3: Yeah not to this you know and I think I think if you're you know you got James McAvoy star you have got Kick-Ass you've got uh those are bigger projects than... <laughs> whatever Jupiter's whatever legacy is, those, were, those are bigger projects. And, and, and yeah, you know, you kind of... Have you, have you, are, you, are you done now? Are you done? Is any of this stuff... You had your moment, and it was sort of 2008 to 2015. Uh, I mean, the, the, thing, is... the thing
1: is, like, a lot of Miller's properties yeah, yeah. are in development. Like, anything, anything he's writing for Netflix, you can guarantee he's writing it. On the basis that they will probably like, I don't believe he's putting pen to paper unless they want to potentially develop that yeah. as as original IP. Mm-hmm. Um, other stuff that's in, in development group, yeah, like sure. Chrononauts is at Universal. Uh, Huck is at Studio Eight, apparently. Wherever that is. Um, Twentieth Century Fox had Starlight, yeah. So that's at Disney. Starlight's no. uh
3: Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. <laughs> what did Netflix pay for then I'm sorry what did they what pay for me, is if all these all this stuff's already been sold to and, other companies
1: uh, Kick-Ass and uh, Kingsman and Starlight and Chrononauts aren't part of the Millerworld deal <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah
3: so they basically they bought Jupiter's Legacy which they're making <laughs> is that it I
0: believe they they get Nemesis and MPH did they get yeah. MPH
2: um I wonder whether I, I so I wonder whether the you know, kind of the conclusion of this conversation that we're having, particularly in terms of the future of Mark Miller and whether whether, you know, broader pop culture has passed him by. You know, the proof the proofs in the pudding next month, we're gonna see mm. we'll see what the reaction to <laughs> Jupiter's legacy is. Yeah. Mm. Because because on um, you know, if mm. if nobody watches Jupiter's legacy yeah, Netflix bought Miller World, but are they gonna keep are they gonna keep making those things if 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 Jupiter's Legacy isn't a hit? No. And are they gonna make you know, I I'd Go imagine on. that probably they'll make two seasons of Jupiter's Legacy, whatever, because that seems to be the you know. Yeah, they've already budgeted to, for two seasons before they film a shot, yeah. That seems to be the strategy. particularly for the, the you know, the superhero comic book adjacent stuff. They all mm-hmm. seem to get a second season. Hmm. Because then there's a chance to kind of rebuild on that buzz if the first season's, you know, not watched, but it's a, a you know critical hit or whatever, and um, everything seems to get to. So my guess is that Jupiter's Legacy will get to, but if that 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 trailer felt so anonymous, and that's you know, a- actually a- after having yeah. re-embedded myself in the Mark Miller, oeuvre in the past <laughs> in the past few days, um, and you know thinking hmm. about these movies again. I'm kind of stunned that that film's come from that 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 trailer is from Mark Miller property because it kind of feels like nothing. It kind the trailer felt like nothing. The trailer felt like it didn't have any edge to it. Um, and I wonder, Ed, like, is this an adaptation that's just sanded everything away, or have we just not seen it yet, or is that you know, is Jupiter's Legacy does it feel like a classic Mark Miller idea, is it, or is it just? As you were kind of intimating, James, think, is it a knock? Yeah. Is it a knock no. off Kingdom Come? Yeah,
1: as I as I have said in the past, it is like Mark Miller doing Kingdom Come. Um, I mean, perhaps the most interesting thing to me about Jupiter's Legacy is that it is it is pretty straight superheroes. Like um, most of his adaptations have stayed well away from that. Like they're about people with abilities and superpowers, but they kick us aside. Yeah. You know it's been a long time since he touched superheroes in any meaningful way
2: well and and everything that you've talked about superhero wise and i you know i'm sure that this doesn't go for everything that he did at marvel and dc but like a lot of the stuff that we were talking about of you know having being adapted to some degree or another seemed like it was a twist on the original idea or seemed that like it was like you know that he wrote a lot of ultimate stuff because mm. he could he could kind of put his stamp on a, on a new version of them or old man Logan is yeah yeah it's Wolverine but here's a here's a <laughs> yeah. different take on him um, and you know when you're talking about um, was it Nemesis the the what if Batman was Joker mm-hmm. um, yeah all all of these feel like they have a yeah. twist and then yeah from what I'm hearing about Jupiter's Legacy I, I, yeah I'm not sure what it is. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean I've I've not read the comics of Jupiter's Legacy for a long time. I think I read the first 4 issues of the first series. So it's it's been a while. Um I can remember almost nothing about it.
3: But that but that is the point, right James, that you know, versus his in terms of the question of like is is he done you know, versus his earlier Miller world Miller World work versus earlier Marvel work earlier DC work like it felt like Jupiter's Legacy was a big a big mm-hmm. swing at, at a big sort of and this is just comics at like a big a big deal when it came out and I just <laughs> my memory is that nobody gave a shit you know yeah and well, the, it, it's had reason. no footprint it's not it's not mattered yes it's going to exist a Netflix show but but that. But, you know, it, it, it's not... There's nothing in that idea, there's nothing in that story the that The reason that it was a big deal for me,
1: the reason anybody, I bought it, you know? is because it was Frank Whiteley. Yeah, Frank Whiteley did the art on two of the yeah. four volumes or whatever there are Um Yep. Mm-hmm. But one of the things is, now that Mark Miller has stopped working at Marvel and DC, he sort of doesn't get the profile anymore. And without without people making a big deal of his, mm. you know, his next big marvel or dc comic it feels like the promotional wheels uh aren't really turning on him anymore
2: so if you were if you were um you know at one of the studios or at one of the streaming services and you were like right i've got all of these mark miller say they're all available i've got all of these mark miller properties all of them what's the yeah what's what's the one that you're commissioning and going actually you know if i make this and it hits like Kickass did, or it hits like Wanted did. Then Mark Miller. <laughs> Are we work assuming is... stuff
1: that hasn't already been adapted? Because if I oh, had well, no, if what? I had all of Mark Miller's properties, I would go. Kickass is the one that could sustain a TV show. Kickass and Hit right, Girl TV okay. show, you know, twelve episodes a series, hmm. one adventure, where they're trying to solve one crime thing. Absolutely, that is a that could run and run.
2: But then, right now, in the in you know, in the real you know, in in the world where Mark Miller's adaptations are what they are, what you know, if oh you know, if you were him and you were trying to get Hollywood to make one of your projects, uh-huh. what would you be? What would you be trying to sell them on to go? It, this is going to make me a yeah. big deal. Nemesis. Yeah, Nemesis the would Nemesis. be the one because it would the be
1: the Nemesis. The twist on Batman, yeah. That premise is great because you know Batman. What, Batman has the cultural it, penetration, it's a great premise, it's and so, the Joker has so the clear. cultural penetration for people to go yeah. like, "Oh, I get this. This is what if Batman was the Joker." Yeah, you know, it's something we haven't seen. It's edgy yeah. because it's like taking a beloved superhero and, and turning him into a villain.
0: Yeah.
1: It's a no-brainer. I'm sort of surprised it hasn't already been done.
2: Yeah, that's what I'm wondering. Why hasn't it been done?
3: I'm sh- I'm shocked. Yeah. Well, I think yep, wasn't I think really. Ridley
1: Scott was attached. Got, for who, years. Was, who was the other Scott? Uh, yeah, I, uh, I'm brother. shocked that. Yeah. Did it get? I think it was under
3: Tony Scott Tony for Scott? A while before he died. Interesting. Right, okay. okay. You know, like it's in some ways it's shocking that that you get a starlight, you know, starlight film announced, and Jupiter's Legacy <laughs> yeah. actually exists before Nemesis exists because Nemesis that premise is just is just so it's just so hooky and, and it's almost like peak kind of peak Mark Miller era hooky concept and I think the comic is is you know I think James the comic is fine I haven't mm-hmm. read it but I think I think the comic is sort of fine and it's yeah Steve McNiven did is the Steve art Steve McNiven? I mean,
1: sort of the reason who drew it? the reason they yeah uh, so that's a great artist they announced <laughs> the, 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 a, a the costume's great that just never came out because uh, Steve McNiven was basically yeah. too slow drawing it
3: so it just never, never got released. But, the, right. But you've got everything there. You've got the costume. You've got yeah. the name. You've got the idea. You've got Mark Miller. It's that <laughs> is so that
2: is ready to happen. Because then I, I know you said yep. you were surprised that, that that Starlight was the one that was in the works. But, that's but it. actually, like you know, reading that report on Starlight this week, um, Joe Cornish has been linked to projects lots of times since you know he became like you know breakout director after Attack mm-hmm. the Block. Um, it it feels to me anyway like he's only ever signed up to stuff when it's actually getting made you know it's like he's he's not he's not attached himself to anything that i can think of that didn't actually oh there was that no crash. there was one snow, wasn't crash. There? snow crash yes um so so maybe i don't know maybe this doesn't get made but you know it's announced as uh, being directed by Cornish, that Simon Kinberg, Audrey Chon, and Nira Park, who Neera Park's worked with him and write a lot as a producer, um, and in fact, so I think they're you know both stakeholders in that new production company. Um, you know, the the, the the people attached makes me think, oh, that I think that might get made. Um, so you know, I don't think I don't think Miller's going anywhere, but I think the you know what's interesting to me now is actually those adaptations Jupiter's Legacy and Starlight sound like more benign riffs on superheroes and there mm-hmm. is more whereas like the the nemesis that you're describing like yeah it sounds like it's got a great cool hook but also that sounds closer to the Edge Lordy Mark Miller that that I know from these other these other projects than than Starlight and Jupiter's Legacy do so i'm wondering whether is is there maybe a reluctance from hollywood that like hollywood has passed by his yeah his masturbatory teen stuff and so the the only stuff that's left is the relatively safer stuff to adapt yeah um and is and it so so is there you know is, is it going to hit? Is it is you know is is Cornish or is Netflix going to be able to make something interesting enough from in that work to make it relevant moving forwards? Because I just don't, yeah I just don't think that I can't imagine you know how you would do wanted today. It just feels like fundamentally that's <laughs> yeah. just well, it's, that's, su- that's... it's such a, it's such it's so toxic to its core. Yeah.
1: <laughs> when I was watching. Uh... Hmm when I was watching Wanted, one of the things I wrote down on my list was 2008 feels like so long ago. Because yeah. the film just couldn't be made in its current form today. Like, it would just... I mean, I'd like to think it couldn't be made. Certainly it wouldn't get the the free pass it got. Um. You'd yeah. like to think it would be critically slammed Into into unprofitability <laughs> if they made it today. Um, yeah. I just checked, by the way. the The latest word on Nemesis was that uh, in 2015 Warner Brothers had the adaptation. I can sort of that see is... why Warner Brothers <laughs> would buy that and then not make it. Mm. Yes,
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
3: yeah. Right. yeah, yeah, if, yeah. Because if you're in the DC universe, <laughs> and I can kind of see <laughs> why would no <laughs> let that happen yeah, as well? Exactly. Yeah, sure. Yeah.
2: Pay pay me every three years to re-up sure. those rights. Yeah. That's absolutely fine by <laughs> me. <laughs> yeah. okay um any any final thoughts on mark miller guys because i what i do think is interesting about him and i I know we've uh, or and certainly about his you know film adaptations um is that uh, there's there's a lot about there's a lot about um kingsman and about first kick ass that i really like and in all of these there's there's that central hook that is that is compelling and there is a sheen, and there's the exterior that I'm like, yeah, I completely get it. Um, but yeah, like like I said, I think it's particularly telling to me that once you get into the world of the sequels, and I know we've not talked much about Kingsman too, but um, <laughs> once you get into the sequels, that it feels like you, you kind like you kind of really have to embrace everything that he's seeding in there, and that's when it just becomes a little bit. For me, a little bit repulsive. <laughs> well,
3: I, I, I had one other. Th- I, don't I'll open open <laughs> on. I don't want to open the Go on, fine. Well, I had one other thought on Wanted that I found repulsive, as the word you just used, that we ha- we have not talked about yet, and I don't think it's a Mark Miller thing. I think it's a Hollywood 2008 thing, and it's a Timur Tim, uh, Bekmurodov thing, but. I honestly couldn't mm-hmm. get over the kind yeah. of the gun pornification in that movie. I couldn't. I found that a, a real issue, it, you know, so early on. The way that it and you, you know you went back, you said it earlier, uh, Joe, that the movie, the poster was was actually Jolie. That's what they're selling it on. And I, I looked at last night. Yeah. It did, that is the poster? But it's her holding a gun. It's it's almost like this film is what if Angela Jolie had a gun. And, and just some of the, the some of the slow mo on the just on the guns, it, it really, you know, I couldn't. I just sort of I feel like that is a thing that has also just really moved on with, <laughs> the, with, with the world in the last ten years. Although although maybe although you know with Hollywood films maybe it hasn't. But just that well, adoration quickly, of of guns. Since uh, you mentioned that, was um, troubling. I found it troubling.
1: One of the things we didn't mention about Kickass Two is how Jim Carrey, who plays Colonel Stars and Stripes in it. Mm-hmm. Um, pulled out of promoting the movie because of sandy hook was it saying that he didn't actually he changed his mind he didn't want to be associated with uh, sort of gun violence anymore um Mm. how how legitimate you feel like that is as a decision is up for debate i i actually think kick ass 2 is a lot less violent than the first um and possibly to its detriment but uh Certainly, it's interesting that having made the movie, you know, Jim Carrey went. Actually, I'm not. I'm not interested in in this stuff anymore.
2: Yeah, I, I see, That's why I think that mostly the the violence of the first Kick Ass works is because it is, it is so yeah, it's heightened so and over the top
1: and cartoonish and yeah. stylized.
2: That that you know, to the fact, to the point that it ends mm. with Mark Strong being blown up for the yeah. Like that's yeah, it's. It, it is so comical. I, Carey, I remember reading that at the time. He, um, he's a weird dude. Like, he, it, like, I don't think he suddenly had that revelation. I think that, you know, we've obviously seen, uh, I think a lot of people have seen the Jim and Andy documentary since then about all of the, mm-hmm. the weird stuff that happened on the Man and the Moon set, which, you know, the, some of the claims in that documentary seem to be like that kind of broken. Um, but I think that was a similar time to when he was running around with Jenny McCarthy yeah, doing decrying anti- vaccines, anti-vax stuff. Yeah. And, and there was also some, you know, uh, some of his personal beliefs about like the, the negativity that certain movies that he'd worked on had emitted, and, um, and, and yeah, kind of disowning some of them and, uh, you know, leading him to work on something like Mr. Popper's penguins rather than, mm-hmm. uh, ra- rather than kick ass sequels. But, yeah i think that for, for me that's that's more of a carry rabbit <laughs> hole than it is than it is a, yeah, a mark fair. miller um yeah but yeah i think i think reese is, is spot on about the guns in wanted I, I don't know how much that comes from the comes from the comic but uh, again i would say to to kind of to to veer back on the on the you know my thesis on that movie um it's not too much of a stretch, especially looking at that poster which I'm looking at right now to see the phallic symbolism in those guns <laughs> in that movie, um, and hmm. lots of very big guns and slow motion bullets tearing through people. Like it's, uh, yeah, the the gun fetishism stuff is gross as well, and I think it's, yeah, I yeah i I've... it's so gross. I mean, the final that the final
3: chunk when you know when you put when you. And the, all the reverse slow mo, you know, the gun, the gun pulling out of uh, Morgan Freeman's head at the end of that movie—it's oh, it's just horrible. It's just horrible. Yeah, I hate I both just, of them. Really I hate horrible. both of them so much. Rewatching, it's yeah. <laughs> so go, yeah.
2: like, can I go watch the the, the 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 light-hearted Kingsman as a as a palate cleanser? <laughs> where it, where it, where yes, it yes, it, yes. my biggest yes. my biggest headache with that movie will be? What is this trying to say about class? <laughs> Um, I just want
1: to I mean are you ready to wrap up I, I have a final thought on it, Mark
2: Miller go on Let's final thoughts let's do it
1: so I think one of the things that people should come out of this podcast thinking is like Mark Miller is not in himself a bad comics writer like I think most of what he puts out is pretty competent and yeah. as we've said he's good at high concept stuff mm-hmm. I think the problem is his world view doesn't his worldview doesn't hold up to a lot of scrutiny. Like, I think, I think he he believes that he is satirizing stuff more than he is. I think it, I think he can't execute the big ideas he has to the standard they need to be executed.
2: Again, like to so just for, for me, just watching the movies, it kind of feels like he's writing to what he thinks an audience wants. And yeah. When you're talking about like. He's very good at playing the game and giving the elevator pitches and mm-hmm. like making it like so. You know, if in two thousand and eight, he's like, like I said, like you know, this um, pandering to the teenage boy that's been that's been brought up reading lads mags. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that is the, that's that's the that is the movie that's the sell. Um, and I and I wonder whether he. Mm-hmm you know at that point rather than rather than being like um i don't know toxic himself was 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 pandering to what the culture wanted um and as you said that that i find that i find that kickass sequel thing which i i think i did know but it's been lost in the recesses of my mind <laughs> i find that i find that very very interesting yeah, right. that he's decide he's decided that that's a good idea to do in the last couple of years, mm-hmm. um, and that may, that maybe rather than being uh, being any kind of um, provocateur, he's more just like going, "What? What if I? What if I just give people what they want to the extreme?"
3: <laughs> uh, uh, final, final, final thought for me on that. You know, let's not pretend that's not how. Mm. Pixar works how the MCU works how the DCE mm-hmm. work, which is how TV works how, how how most popular artistic content works which is <laughs> hey let's kind qu- of try and make something that people are going to like but the difference with Miller is that, that all those all, you know that perhaps all, all those processes try and uh, have creators that reflect the world and Miller is is just is just one guy and that, and that that's the difference that he's he 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 can only <laughs> it, does, it and seems sort of so apt that he is one it seems
1: that netflix has his own who famously it, create or... content by algorithm have have bought mark miller
2: <laughs> i also wonder if there's something about him being at one step remove as well <laughs> that he is you know he's reflecting the culture and then putting that one little twist on the top of it <laughs> um and so yeah so yeah he, he's just doing what everyone else is doing but just just yeah that little, little bit of extra paprika on at the end. <laughs> <laughs> James, um, I don't know, well, will you have anything? Do you have any, any uh, comic book recommendations <laughs> to make coming out of that? You know,
1: I was just thinking, <laughs> right, if I was going to recommend anything, what would I recommend?
2: Um, his... I, like it. I, like the, I like the first Kick-Ass. So read it and I like it. Yeah.
1: I mean, recommended Grant Morrison his comic. Superman Adventures <laughs> is pretty good um, from the early 2000s. You know, if you want to see Mark Miller being uncynical, that's where to go. There are some, there are some really good Superman stories in there. Um, he wrote a 12-issue run on Spider-Man called Marvel Knights Spider-Man that was uh, pretty good. Um, he did a similar run on Wolverine called uh, Enemy of the State. You know they've all, they've all got these sort of high concepts. You know, Wolverine slash Spider Man fights all of his enemies in a twelve issue run. Um, they're 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 decent, they're <laughs> decent self contained stories. And if you can see past some of the, you know, awful. Just I don't know. I feel like Ultimates. I I would. There was a time when I would have recommended it, but these days probably not
2: that time was on the podcast five years ago yeah yeah
1: (laughs) even then i was like if you can see past the the awful cynicism but these days i'm just like you know what you don't need to read about giant men slapping his
2: wife around or you know
1: the wasp fucking the hulk or whatever it was you just
2: don't uh i think if i've learned anything from this conversation it's that um maybe all i want to do is Riding an elevator with Mark Miller—that's that's where I'll get my my proper fix. Hit me with another one and another one. Three more floors. Let's go. <laughs> okay, so that was our discussion of Wanted and the adaptations of Mark Miller. Um, listeners, I hope you en- like. I've really enjoyed having that conversation. I hope you've enjoyed that like um, hmm. that experiment with our format. Um, we're hoping it works. I think it works. Let us know what you think uh, because we've got more of these planned. Um, not necessarily just you know like the the adaptations of a certain person, but like bundling certain films together and 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 having more nebulous chats. So hopefully you enjoyed that. Um, if you did, tell us. If you don't, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> no, tell us that as well. Um, so we'll move on to our final section now, which is the pitch. Reese, have you got a pitch for us? Yes, I do. I...
3: I feel like after an, you know almost two hours of, of like interesting naughty conversations about Mark Miller adaptations, I've it, I've written the, the picture <laughs> before this. this. This feels a bit uh, a bit
2: superfluous, but I'm going to do it anyway.
3: <laughs> so uh, <clears throat> based off the kind of the kind of the first film, the first Miller adaptation i wanted, uh, and. It's interesting that you know basically, you know almost the entire cast of that movie went on to be in various MCU and DC properties. McAvoy, Jolie, um, Pratt, uh, others too. But there's one big name uh, that that is not in those. There's not is not uh, Morgan Freeman. So my pitch to you is, what. Who would you like to see Morgan Freeman be in in a superhero movie? And what's the Who goes first? <laughs> Joe, you're going to have to go first. Yeah, you go first. You
2: spoke first. That is you, silly fool. That's um, how I do this. Listen, what does Morgan Freeman do best? Uh, Morgan Freeman should be the president in the MCU. It's <laughs> you know, we talked about on previous episodes that we don't because uh, do you know what, oh, I can't cool. really like I can't really think of any like cool older characters to be and, and also like. I definitely don't want anyone who's gonna be delivering any voiceover. So let's just have someone with sort of a bit bit of gravitas in political mm. office in the MCU who we can return to as like the mm. the face of the real world. Because you know, like I'm sick of this same senator showing up again and again in Falcon <laughs> and the Winter Soldier. So give me give me Morgan Freeman as the MCU <laughs> president who would be age appropriate for presidents of the United <laughs> States nowadays. Um, yeah, like I'm going to say
1: let's play Morgan Freeman against type because I feel like one of the again one of the complaints I had with Wanted is that all of the characters felt like so much shorthand it was like oh here's the cool sexy badass it's Angelina Jolie here's the like wise leader like elder of our group it's Morgan Freeman so I would like to see Morgan Freeman play a villain a proper villain um, I think he should be the MCU Galactus. <sighs>
2: <sighs> Do you know? What? I considered it, and then I couldn't that... picture him purple. <laughs> <laughs> As when, when Joe was
3: when Joe was talking, what I thought was like that would be that he's going to win whatever James says because I love the idea of of actually setting that up in the next year and then having him be a, also
0: be a Skrull. Yes, and that would be really, really fun.
3: But then James, you came with Galactus, and like that—that that is the answer. I no, feel
1: like we we should actually. acknowledge win, that he prize, was in Batman.
2: It. Yeah, that's true. <laughs>
3: yes, of course. Yes, I, I did. I did I did when I was pitching. That. I was this close <laughs> to <laughs> saying he should be Lucius Fox in Batman. <laughs> no, okay, fair. I have double <laughs> one. This pitch is, uh, but honestly, that like, the. This pitch has ended up being as redundant as a pitch on this episode It should be because we had a very meaty, ch- chunky conversation about detailed stuff. So, so you know what? Fair enough. Fair enough. I stand by it.
2: <laughs> okay, so J- James won the pitch for remembering that Morgan Freeman was in the Dark Knight trilogy. Um, oh, three movies? Yeah, yeah. Fre- not even just one movie, like a three, re- three movies. Really, really major of part of movies. them as well. He was
3: in loads of them oh a huge part he did the he made the thing yeah, yeah, yeah. with the, listen yeah. with the phones listen into <laughs> yeah. the stuff like big big role big role what am i doing Run, with my what in am industries. i doing in my life that i forgot
2: it's a big cheese big wasn't he yeah yeah <laughs> ah. <laughs> um god. oh god that was a great pitch <laughs> the, the, good, the, the good thing was that that pitch had more than one loser. <laughs> <laughs> okay so that was uh, that was oh, this boy. week's um, podcast uh, we are over on the Patreon um, about to drop our episode on the finale of Falcon and the Winter Soldier um, and, hey it might even be out by the time you're hearing this we're, we're going to endeavour to get that out as, as quickly as possible this weekend so if you want to hear that and you're not already subscribing head to uh, patreon.com forward slash cinematic universe and uh, you can subscribe to us for three dollars a month to get a weekly bonus episode uh we've got some fun episodes which we'll be announcing um on the patreon this week uh for for what's coming up in the gap between that and loki yeah uh, it's not some... stopping
1: the the gravy train is not rolling on
2: <laughs> we've got some really fun hashtag content coming up um if you're enjoying this episode then please do subscribe in your podcast app of choice and give us a lovely rating on um Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts, um, and, and tell your friends. Tell you if you like the Patreon, tell your friends. Tell your friends that we we make a lovely comic book, movie, and TV podcast, and that they should listen to and send us three dollars. Unless you're friends um, with Mark Miller. Yes, if you're don't friends tell with him, Mark Miller, Jake. don't tell him.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: don't let him. Please don't let him. We'll um, if you him. do want to get in touch with us on Twitter, though, we're at cine underscore verse. I'm at joe cunningham14. James is at Jameson. And Reese is at Reese, early adopter. Um, <laughs> if you'd like to email us, you can send us an email to podcast um Let us know what you think about the Mark Miller adaptations. Genuinely interested to hear. Hopefully. Um, Hopefully, if we, we've not got any like really say, ardent Mark Miller fans out there, especially who are if you so like them, if you
1: it. like them, I'd really like to know what you like about them.
2: <laughs> hey, we said some good stuff as well. Um, we will be back with our episodes I- uh, next episode in two weeks. You can listen after the credits to hear what we'll be covering. I think it's pretty obvious, but um, yeah, we'll be back in two weeks with a special guest. Um, thanks for listening, and we will see you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye. This is the job, John. All of it is. Star Spangled Man, plan and all that. It's always been in the job description. Listen. This suit, it comes with expectations, brother. You can't just punch your way out of problems anymore, you know. Time to go to work. Cinematic Universe returns in two weeks' time with The Falcon and The Winter Soldier.